Hello and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the Endefinity community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And this is episode 99. Yeah, welcome to part one of a very special episode. Yeah, we're not, we're... We're not going to be talking about not doing drugs, kids, but also don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're also uh, not going to be talking about just all the shit that's going on um, in in the, the United States right now. Um, yeah, because this is a happy, frivolous podcast where we talk about games, and uh, it should be a place that you can come and like experience some escapism and not have to worry about how shitty everything is outside. So yeah. let's just say, like, we hope everybody is um, staying safe, uh, and Absolutely. we'll leave it at that. Yeah, also really not our place as a video game podcast. I yeah, we're, this is a uh, video game podcast, and hot dang, are we going to talk about some video games today, folks? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about so many video games, unlike oh our usual format where we talk about one video game. We're going to yeah. talk about many video games today. Gang, we oh, have the video games. a spreadsheet, and it is elaborate. Yes, it is. I listen. I I spent so much time yesterday. You have no idea trying to get formulas to work to automatically highlight our top three, and I found a formula that should have worked, and I don't understand why it didn't work, and I'm so mad. That is that is annoying. Um, I was yeah, I was like trying to think about like, is there a way that we can at least order them numerically, like by what the total score is? But I. There's, I mean, there's a, there is a formula that is literally like highlight this cell if the cell is, you know, within the top three values in this range and it should have worked. And I don't know why it didn't work. And I'm so mad. Google, get your shit together, please. No, it's probably me. It's probably me doing something wrong. Um, but... No, no. <laughs> I love I love being clever with formulas and I'm just mad that I couldn't be clever with a new formula. <laughs> I did I did work very hard on color coding this spreadsheet. You guys, it's a very pretty spreadsheet. Yeah, it is. I'm I yeah. I'm so impressed <laughs> of like your spreadsheet skills. This is like one of my as a like both in my game design job and my curriculum development job like using spreadsheets is like a very like regularly called upon skill that I have to do a lot. So uh, I, I do love a, a pretty spreadsheet. Yeah. But anyway, so here's here's the rules. Here's how this works. Um, we made up a bunch of categories and uh, we, after each game we played, we at first we like went back and, and put like, thought through all the games we'd played up to that point. And then since then, every time we've played a new game, we've, like, gone through and go, like, okay, what categories does this deserve to be in? Uh, and then we each gave ourselves uh, points to use. So we could spend a three-point, a two-point, and a one-point uh, on, you know, three games in... We didn't say that we had to spend them all on different games, but... We, I think we assumed that we had to spend them all on different games. Yeah. Um, so we, we each voted with points uh, in each category. And today we're going to talk about uh, half of the categories, which is 12 of them. 
uh, and which games scored the three highest in the category. Some categories we really agreed on a lot. Um, and we, you know, we put... <laughs> We put points all in pretty much the same things. And some categories, we have very, very different, uh, where we might say, like, okay, this is the top one, and then the rest we just did not really have consensus. Yeah. There's at least one where we didn't really have consensus at all, so. Yeah. Um, all right, anybody else have anything to say before we begin? No. <laughs> uh, I guess, like, preliminarily, like, the reason we're doing this is because we've we've hit our, like, we've hit, uh, we've played at least 100 games, uh, and we've definitely, we're almost hitting the 100 episode mark. So next episode, where we finish this, is going to be our 100th episode. Yes. Um, oh, also disclaimer, um, I vetoed including Wintermore Tactics Club from anything that is voted on, because I felt it wasn't fair. Because obviously, because I would feel uh, obligated to vote for it, and I didn't want anyone else to feel pressured or obligated to vote for it <laughs> to like maintain my my friendship. So, uh, so Winterbork Tactics Club is just blanket disqualified. If you want to hear about that game, go check out the previous episode where I talked about it for three hours. Yeah, I'm glad you recovered from that ordeal of. <laughs> of all the talking. You know, anyway, I wonder, how's, so, how's Wintermork doing? Uh, it's about the or same how, last week. <laughs> how are you doing with Wintermork? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's no change. I'm still, like, watching people stream it regularly and feeling bad about typos that are still in the game uh, that I need to fix. Um, Ooh, there's typos? Yeah, yeah I I've seen there. at least Damn. one typo where it's, uh... God, there's what's the line? It's something about like, oh, it's it's what have you got there is supposed to be the line, but it's instead it's what have you go there? And I'm like, oh. God, and everyone who reads it stumbles over it and notices that something's wrong with the line, and I'm like, God dang it. But I'll I'm gonna fix it and I'll go in the next patch. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of text. If you manage to scrape out of there with just a single typo. That's well, I'm sure good. there's more than that. I think there's, like, we've already fixed, like, one or two. But I, for the most part, we're without typos, but we're not entirely without typos. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've seen a lot of games with far higher budgets and bigger teams with lots more typos, so. <laughs> well, luckily, we're still, uh, we're still in the PC phase rather than the console phase, so we can still, like, release patches and no one cares. Yeah. It's a big freaking deal to patch for consoles, apparently. I think uh, the Switch in particular has like a lifetime cap on... Yeah. I don't know if it's the number of patches or it's like the total combined size of all patches. But there's like... you huh. Past a certain point, you're just not allowed to patch anymore. That's weird. Oh, well, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, they want you to take care with the quality of your game and make sure you don't mess it up the first time, which is yeah. fair. I like, guess that's, that's that's how games used to be. Yeah. And that is pretty consistent with with Nintendo. Yeah. But eh, eh. all right. All right. Let's talk about some game categories. Yes. Uh, I guess we'll just start. Do you guys want to start on the bottom row or the second row? We second can start with the first row that's fine 
All right. So our first category uh, is most replayable. These are going to be the weirder categories. We're going to save like our individual top 10 for next time, by the way. But we yeah. are going to rank some dang games, so you can still listen to this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so most replayable, which are games that we uh, continued to play after the podcast. Uh, to be honest, there were a lot of games where we played them and I was sure I was going to go back uh, and play them some more and then just didn't. Yeah, I think I think I ranked this more on did I actually play not not on did I actually play it after the podcast, but like is there still a lot of unexplored potential there? Oh, that's fair. So because I think most of these I really didn't play much after the podcast, <laughs> or uh, at least beyond the beyond the scope of what we recorded on in the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was not one that got a huge consensus. Uh, the, the one that has the most like points and I think deserves, do we, ah, we didn't talk about this. Do we want to count bottom up or do we want to count top down? Uh, I think we should, it, we should do bottom up, but I don't know if this one has enough consensus to do bottom up. <laughs> yeah. I think, it's, I think it'll be easier for us to do top down. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's just do yeah. top down. <laughs> All right. So the number one most replayable game as voted was, uh, was Stardew Valley. Which, like, as that's fair. I, if I had had another point to spend, I would have put it in Stardew Valley as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a game you could play forever. Yeah, and it's it's soothing. Like, it's nice to replay. It feels good to just like, you know, sit with it and and like, you know, manage your farm. I was I was looking at something. Oh, it was, I was watching a video about like how games use. Uh, organization as a mechanic and they had some screenshots of some like real nice farms from stardew valley and it immediately made me want to go back and play more stardew valley yeah that's um they kept updating stardew valley for a long time i don't know if they still are but they added like multiplayer or i guess co-op i don't know how many people you can have in, but they added at least co-op they added like same-sex marriages um so uh, there's a there's a uh (laughs) The, um, there's a Twitter thread I read. So I believe co-op is max, uh, is, is by default, is max uh, four people. Uh, but okay. there was a Twitter thread where someone was like, hey, like I have a big group of friends. Uh, can, you Im- can you implement like eight player combination? And the dev said, here's a file, the, the, a text file that comes with the game. Just uh, edit this value that says max players equals four to say eight. It's not tested at all, so I don't know what's going to break, but go for it. (laughs) That's pretty great. I'm like, that's brilliant. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, So, yeah, top points for, like, nice and soothing... um, uh, the the next the second and third place tie um, is because there are there was one one of each of us just spent our three points on it because there are some games that we individually are pretty obsessed with. I put my three points into Rus yep. because I have, I have hundred percented that game. I got a I got a gold goddamn medal on that game uh, in the like hardest category, and I like tweeted about it, and the devs 
like tweeted me back like nice job not even everyone on the dev team has that achievement i so. uh, i know I, I was going through these and voting i think before you did and i was really tempted to put the three in rus for you <laughs> on your behalf <laughs> yeah that's fair i to mean no one's surprise. <laughs> yeah it's uh it is what it is and i put three points in celeste yeah because you you also I like went hard on that game <laughs> yeah did you end up beating those like extra space levels that you were working on yeah and i also went and finished the seaside jesus Dang. carl you are hardcore <laughs> yeah carl is way more hardcore this is the most hardcore person on this podcast for sure yeah, I feel like Celeste does deserve to be on there because I, I definitely felt like if if I was the sort of person who like, you know, really feels strongly about achieving in action games, like I could see myself grinding the heck out of that game. Um, I had to not pretty much, I think, for my own sanity, but uh, the regular game was hard enough for me. Yeah. But I get it. Yeah, um, I feel like my own voting in this category really just came down to how stressed out will I be if I continue to play this game? Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I guess if we count those as like a joint tie for second place, honorable mention third place goes to Long Live the Queen as the only other game besides Stardew Valley that scored points from two different people in this category. <laughs> yeah. Which is just a game that literally to see everything, you have to play it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, uh, and you have to play it a bunch of times anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to get a good ending. Yeah. It's a. It's definitely a game that is like short. Uh, short game with a lot of, uh, with like a, a good reason to go back and do it again, which is a is a strong, like strong contender for sure. There's there are other games on this. Should we just like say what the other nominees in the category are? Because this is one where we didn't actually manage to fill out a few a full category. We allowed ourselves ten games uh, for each category, and this one only had eight. Yeah, yeah, we can uh, just go through and list them. Um, yeah, so so games that didn't make the top: Mini Metro, uh, Banished, Spore, uh, and Oxygen Not Included uh, were the other games in this category. Uh, th I mean, like. You know, pretty much any sim game has a certain level of replayability because you see how the simulation goes different next time. Yeah, we just didn't play a whole lot of them, is the thing. So Yeah. Yeah, I guess probably like Cities Skylines could have been in this category as well. I I've uh, Yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah, that's I think that's the thing I almost added to this category and then I didn't because you two had already voted when I was going yeah. through. But yeah, like honorable mention should have been in the category, probably wouldn't have gotten voted. Uh is also City Skylines, which I have also played a ton of since the podcast. City Skylines and um, Roller Coaster Tycoon Three Platinum Exclamation Point, which we did, which we did, did play. Any of us, I was gonna say, did any of us want to replay that though? I don't. I don't think so. No. Yeah, that's the yeah. only sim game that we like. Sort of universally, we're like, nah, there are better sim games. Yeah, just look, pick up Planet Coaster if you want to scratch that particular itch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not just are there, there are better sim games. There are better roller coaster based sim games and amusement park based sim games. Yeah. 
So yeah. Sorry, roller coaster tycoon. Yeah. Uh, dishonorable intentional leaving off this list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I should say we did have a few uh, slightly mean categories that we cut because we wanted this to be a more positive episode. But yeah. just so you know, you could have had uh, like a significant amount of time of us dumping on certain games. And if you come and talk to us on the, the Discord, we'll be happy to dump on games privately with you. Yeah. Like Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> like Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah. Roller Coaster Tycoon gets Three the... Three colon uh, platinum edition exclamation point. Yeah. Get, get the special distinction of being a game that we will publicly dump on. <laughs> <laughs> it's this even fair because we didn't even hate it that much we were just like really lukewarm on it yeah it was just, it's just a bit old yeah it was yeah. just clunky for... like there were definitely games that we were much angrier at yeah yeah i'm looking I'm at sorry. our i'm looking just at our cut categories now oh don't don't well no, that, that's don't. a secret that's a secret easter egg for people who come to the discord yeah, yeah. Ooh, incentives, baby. Yep. <laughs> All right. Category two, uh, best atmosphere. We had, I feel, reasonable consensus on this. We actually have, uh, well, we have a tie for third place, but we actually have, like, a decent, uh, like, clustering on this. Um, so best atmosphere first place uh, of the game. We didn't say this either. Rules-wise, this is not, like, every game that any of us have ever played in our lives. This is just games we've played for the podcast, in case that wasn't clear. Yeah. This is so, like, take that, yeah, take that with uh, with the grain of salt, that, like, obviously there are plenty of really good games that we didn't play. Um, we did include at least one lost game um, on here. Uh, so there may be one or two games that we that we talk about that you didn't hear us talk about. Um, but we'll get there when we get there. I don't even remember what category that is. That's it's fine. In we'll best, it. It's in best humor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it now. Yep. Um, we did. We also had a lost episode on Bioshock, but I don't think we put that in any category. No, I was just thinking, like maybe atmosphere would have been. Yeah. 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 I guess. Yeah. Bioshock honorable mention not included in the category best atmosphere, but probably could slash should have been. Um, we could have replaced maybe Naissance with Bioshock. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have voted for it because there's other stuff on here that I voted for instead um, and still stand by. But uh, yeah, there were a few episodes that we recorded and due to technical difficulties, we lost. Uh, but we still consider those games. We could have had, I suppose we could have had a, uh, a best shooter genre category but there would have been two games in it, so... Yeah. Yeah. Did we play any shooters besides Bioshock and Doom? I guess Nuclear it Throne counts. count on shooter, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's gonna anyway. be... Uh, yeah, after, uh, unfortunately, this is and this is also new news, uh, after episode 100, we are shifting focus, and we are going to be a completely first-person shooter-focused podcast. So look <laughs> yeah. forward to that. O only, only military shooters. Only historical oh. military shooters. Oh God. <laughs> you would be, Carl. I wonder. Maybe, I wonder... maybe, maybe uh, Chris will come back if we <laughs> do that. Yeah. So what? Uh, I mean, would Wolf does Wolfenstein count? Does alternate history first-person shooters count? <laughs> 
No, only the shooters that I hate personally. Okay. So no, no, no Borderlands either. Okay. Damn. Um. Anyway, but that's the no. The category we're looking at is best best atmosphere. So specifically, games that where like all of the various artistic features come together to do like one specific tone really well. Like they had a they had a mood they were going for and they went hard. Um, not necessarily always like a mood we were pleased with, um, but dang if they didn't like real go really go for it. So yeah, top top marks in this category goes to Kentucky Route Zero because of course it does. Yeah, to no one's surprise. Um, yeah, I mean, God, talk about your mood. That game is just all atmosphere. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm glad that we finally got to play it for the podcast before uh, before we got to this point. Yeah. There's a very there is a very real chance that uh, it would have been several more years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, and I think it it manages one thing with which some other games on this list don't, um, which is it paces that mood. Right? Like, it's not just, like, all dour all the time, and therefore, like, by the end of it, you're exhausted by, like, dealing with the same emotion for however many hours. Um, yep. It's It's got pacing, and it's got ups and downs, but it still has this sort of slightly melancholy, like, slightly off-putting, weird, magical realism thing going on that's just really... Powerful. We should mention that, like, myself and Kelso both voted this in our top spot. Carl did not vote for this game. I didn't vote for it. That's okay. We forgive you, Carl. Yes. Um, and right. then our, our, our second place, which Kyle and Carl voted for and I didn't, was Papers, Please. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if the mood you want is, like, you know, uh, sort of dis not dystopian i guess kind of dystopian uh like soviet russia with uh like you nailed it right like that's it's certainly it's certainly a game with mechanics that evoke the mood which is cool like not many of these a lot of these games like they they rely a lot on the sort of atmospheric elements for the mood um but this one like even the mechanics make you think about you know, you have a very limited amount of resources and what what ideals do you actually care about? Do you care about your family? Do you care about your country? Do you care about justice? Um, do you care about like the common man, the little guy? Like there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack in that game. And it's all it all feels real strongly of what it feels. It has like a feeling of dread. Yeah. across the like entire game yeah and that i definitely like you know i have strong memories of like getting towards the ending and realizing like oh shit if i don't get my family out of here like something real bad's gonna happen i i need to start pushing for this and kind of panicking a little bit because it was like late to start preparing for leaving but i felt suddenly like i i had to get out um yeah yeah this is, like, that's there's a moody the constant too. tension of your you're just like one fuck up away from everything being ruined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, 
tie tie for uh, third place, which is uh, one vote and two lower votes. Uh, tied for third place are Night in the Woods and Abzu. Um, I'm so... going to suggest a tiebreaker rule that if two people voted for it, <laughs> it gets it more. Wins. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, in which case this one would go to Abzu, which, as we said at the time, is just Journey but underwater. <laughs> yeah, which is not a bad thing. Journey is a great game and is a very like moody game, and this is just like that feeling of sort of awe and exploration but in the ocean which is a cool place for that to be yeah i i feel like too often the ocean is maligned and not necessarily for bad reason there's a lot of scary shit down there but it it's nice for the most part that it's just like oh swim around there's some fish there's a, there's some structures Lots of fish. Uh, you can ride the fish. Some of them, if they're big enough. It's just, oh, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's beautiful. And it's, it's like got some surrealism elements that are really rad, uh, which it always tends to tip a point in, in favor for me. Yeah. I, I'm just a sucker for surrealism. Uh, it, and it's... It's nice. It also has that almost sort of like Studio Ghibli uh, ethos of like, you gotta be in harmony with nature. You cannot go against nature or bad things will happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that whole like undersea triangle space thing that's like real creepy. Yeah, that's dang. Man, maybe I should play that game again, or at least watch someone else's Let's Play. Yeah. Or play Journey. Or or play Journey, then also. I've seen a lot of people play Journey, though. That game I I have much more memorized than Abzu, which I've only seen once. It's weird. I think I played Journey once, like, right when it came out, and I haven't touched it again. And I always think, man, I should play Journey again, and I just never do. (laughs) Not in the most replayable category. Yeah, no. Uh, also, we didn't play for the podcast, so yeah. <laughs> can't can't be included. Disqualified. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Carl, do you want to talk about uh, the the other one that would have tied for third place, Night in the Woods, since that was your top vote? Yeah, I mean, it was all like it was all like a small town town vibe. I was like cozy and like like. Cute little town. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that that uh, Kyla that you didn't put any points to it since it is like Pennsylvania. I know, and I like this was a hard one for me because there were a lot of games in this that I would have put points into. Like pretty much yeah. everything that we put on this list, I could have put points in. Yeah, I am um, in the same category. Or well, except except the silver case because I didn't finish it, but I'm sure you guys <laughs> like felt strongly about it. Yeah. Um, the like, definitely Night in the Woods nailed the, like, small-town rural America that is past its prime and, like, aging and sort of dying uh, feel. Like, that's a mood, and they went for that mood, and they nailed it. And, yeah, no, that probably would have been... God, that might have been my next point, but there's so many good games on here that yeah. deserved points. Um, so other... 
other uh, other games that were nominated for this category include Naissance, uh, which we hated the mood, but it was a mood. <laughs> um, Gris, Norwood Suite, Hyperlight Drifter, A Short Hike, uh, and The Silver Case. Yeah, which, this like, one are all strong contenders. Like yeah, they're, was... they're and they're different moods for the most part. Like a short hike is a very like happy, pleasant, chill mood, but it it goes hard for that mood and it achieves it. Yeah. Voting was real tough in this one cuz like yeah, I wanted to put points in Night in the Woods. I wanted to put points in a short hike. I kind of wanted to put points in a silver case. I wanted to put more points into Norwood Suite, but I ultimately <laughs> decided not to. Like yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just a real, real tough category. Yeah, and and that's good. Like I, because atmosphere is one of the things that I like value most in the games mm -hmm. I play. And so the fact that we had like real stiff competition for this category is like I think is you know testament to how uh, how good the games are that we've been playing. Yeah, and there, I mean there were probably even games that we had to nix from even the the initial you know top yeah 10. The, the short list yeah like mutazione could have easily been on this list mm -hmm. um, tycoon <laughs> shush, shush. <laughs> um god like to some extent doki doki literature club because they spend so much time like setting up a thing and then um you know and then they go hard in the second half like there's there's a lot of stuff that uh, that could have been here, um, but uh, but wasn't. But yeah, yeah. no, G good good games, good atmosphere. But in the end, somebody's got to win, and it's Kentucky Route Zero. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, we should also say we we while we are going to do top tens next time, uh, we are not going to do a single top ten. Uh, because yeah. I guess we could we could try and do like which games appear the most on our on our individual top tens, yeah. <laughs> like bonus bonus points. But it, that's that's for next time. Um, look forward to that. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. And so next category we have is another short list that probably actually we could have filled out if we spent more time thinking about it. I'm guessing. Um, but it was uh, most emotionally affecting. Which is similar to Best Atmosphere, but different. Um, because I feel like Best Atmosphere kind of has to be consistent throughout. Whereas Most Emotionally Affecting can just be like, you know, one or two moments that have specifically strong emotions. Um, and so this, I've, we have pretty strong clustering on this. Despite the fact that, you know, we only have, what, seven games in this category. Mm -hmm. Um we did cluster very strongly. And this was a hard one too, because I actually was emotionally affected by pretty much all of the games that we have listed here. Um, but number one uh, went to Gris. Yeah. Because is... I, f I freaking cried. I cried hard after that game, at the end of that game. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of moments. And even though, even though it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily like, like I don't spend a lot of time since then thinking about it in the way that I do some of the other games on this list. Like at the time that was definitely probably like the biggest emotional peak that I had for a single game. Yeah. In the moment, it really just commands all of your 
focus and just all of your processing it's just really zeroed in and yeah they do great things with the art and the music to really like sell what mm -hmm. they're going for and it works yeah yeah it's kind of weird because like i'm normally not like a person that goes like i think the aesthetics of this game kind of carries so carries the game so hard yeah but, like it's really gorgeous <laughs> yeah yeah, it's just gorgeous it, enough to be like amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's certainly not the the mechanics of the game that that carry the emotionality. Yeah, I, I think I mean I think that's probably why I gave it my top vote, honestly, because like I'm one of those weird weird fucking saps that gets really emotional over really good art. Like I remember <laughs> once I um I was watching uh or just looking at like a, a video clip of a pencil test. Glenn Keane's pencil test from Beauty and the Beast, the part where the beast transforms back into a person, and looking at the pencil test for that, which is like, you know, just uh, the dude drew it and then they flip booked it basically. And I started crying because it's like, this is the pinnacle of craft. I was going to say, it's because, you, it's because you, you understand like viscerally the craftsmanship that went yeah. into it. And that's fair. Yeah. Like, and that's I, totally fair. I feel that that emotion really hard, especially in comparison to probably like more uh, normal <laughs> emotions. But yeah, I think that's probably why I give Gris my top choice. Yeah, and, man, and Gris a lot is of real fluid. Yeah, it's animation. you're playing a you're playing a like watercolor painting, and also it's a game that like you know tried to be about something. It's about mm -hmm. grief and like trying to recover from grief, and like that's. You know, that's an emotional topic. Yeah. Um, all right. So there is a tie for second place, and by by our by our just just now decided rules of tiebreakers, uh, second like higher second place goes to the cat lady <laughs> slash fuck you, Carl. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Which is a horror game we played pretty early on, which I still fucking think about, and I hate it. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know what? It's not that it's scary. Like, it is also, I guess, scary in the, but it's more just like horrible and uncomfortable, and like you, you feel like you just don't fucking want to be there anymore. And that's an emotion, and it affected me strongly. So, yeah. yeah. And I know the, the developers made, um, this ended up, the Cat Lady ended up being like the first in a trilogy, and I haven't even played the other two Se games. Second it's in a the trilogy. Second. Oh, yeah, it is the second, sorry, yeah. Yeah. The other one was, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, because the first one was that guy in a hotel, and there's like a reference to him in the game that we talked about, where it's... It has a really generic name, so we get it every time. Okay, yeah, yeah, the first one, yeah, the first one was Downfall, and it was remade after the Cat Lady was released. Yeah, this is so, very much a, like, if you like, like, pulpy, gory, B-horror type stuff, like, this is a game that just throws every possible thing in that they could for the sake of shock value. And, like, I mean, I hate that it works, but it works. <laughs> like, it yeah. does the thing. I will say, I... Like, I still hate horror games, but I quite recently picked up Lorelei. 
which is the third game. Uh-huh. I should probably play those. And did you have you played it yet? I haven't played it yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, you'll have to report because I'm I am not freaking playing that for the podcast. So yeah, uh, I was traumatized enough by this one. So yeah, second place for trauma goes to the cat lady. Um, which you know, it's a it's an adventure game nominally, but it's like. It's a game where, like, every step forward hurts a little bit. Um, All right. And third place uh, slash lower second place uh, goes to Undertale, which I, to this day, watch Let's Plays of and still tear up whenever I hear the, like, um, the the boss battle music from the Asriel fight. Yeah. That's a good song. (laughs) Yeah, um, the, again, the music does some heavy lifting, I feel like, in this game. But it does. But. It's also a game that leans heavily on nostalgia for games and, like, love of games as its, like, emotional emotional touchstone. Like, mm-hmm. it's a game that, that argues, like, hey, isn't it better to emotionally engage with games and, and to, to, like, you know, emotionally engage with the characters and the writing and take take it on face value and not be cynical about that and like that gets that gets under my rib cage a little bit you know <laughs> yeah that's a that's a strong one um and then you know if if we consider tie for second place then honorable mention for third place would go to papers please which got one point from <laughs> carl <laughs> which yep. yeah uh, like i said all of the stuff on this like deserves points um other games that were on this list include Outer Wilds, which I feel like has been more and more emotionally affected. Both Undertale and Outer Wilds have increased the emotional effect on me over time. Most of these other games have diminished their emotional effect on me over time. But Undertale and Outer Wilds, like every time I experience someone else see it, I feel more strongly. Like it resonates. Mm-hmm. Um, but other games on this list include Abzu, uh, Outer Wilds, and Florence. Um, which, you know, good games. If you want a good emotional feel, go for it. Yeah. Let's see. All right. Our next category is still a pretty strong cluster. Uh, the next category is most memorable character. And oh, we didn't even fill this one out, which is surprising. But uh, yeah, we probably could have picked a 10th character. Yeah. We had We had nine that stood out. Probably we could have picked a 10th. Um, yeah, I can't think of a person that I would choose offhand from a different game than the ones that are listed here. Yeah, <clears throat> but I'm sure if we went back, we could have thought of one. Yeah, and the winner in this category is uh, Davy, the narrator of uh, the Beginner's Guide. Yeah, because uh, dang, he's like he's a memorable character. It's it's. It's a game in which, I guess we should have warned, like, spoilers for this, but, like, hopefully, if you're listening to this episode, you've listened to our previous episodes, and you're okay yeah. with, like, us spoiling the games we've already spoiled in those episodes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, the beginner... spoiler warning. Yeah, otherwise, <laughs> spoiler warning. Uh, the Beginner's Guide is uh, a game kind of about watching someone have a bit of an emotional breakdown. <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah. and and sort of realizing that they are maybe the problem. 
And it's, it's sort interesting of, that um oh sorry go ahead uh it's sort of fucked up but in a cool way yeah i was, I was gonna say i just realized that um it's interesting that the winner of this category is the only character that doesn't actually isn't actually portrayed in any of the games <laughs> yeah that's fair um but it's i mean that's not are, true. The main character... that's not true because uh um, weaver weaver is also not portrayed uh you see weaver a couple times do you see weaver i thought you At don't actually ever see weaver okay yeah i think you see weaver like twice maybe in the entire kentucky route zero weaver didn't win though so weaver we don't have win. to talk about her yeah um but but davy is at least the narrator so yeah you hear you know. a lot of him and it's definitely his game it's a game about him and his psychology yeah um, and it's you know it's a game about it's a it's a game where he presents the game to you as one thing and then as you play the game it becomes a game about him by you realizing that you can't trust the thing that he's telling you about what the game is about <laughs> which is cool which is it weird is, and cool it's like one of the best examples i have of like a good multi-dimensional character yeah in games yeah and and we like we know a lot about him from like the things he tells us, but we also know nothing about him from what he actually says, because like you, it becomes clear that you can't trust the things he says. So you have to like infer things and it's very cool. Also kind of weird. Like I'm just realizing things about this as, as we talk about it, I feel kind of weird talking about it now because it's like maybe kind of a fictionalized presentation of the guy who actually made the beginner's guide. Yeah. It's and we talked about this at the time. Yeah. Um, where it's like we have to you can only treat Davy as a character in this game. Yeah. You can't like don't try and read too much into Davy the person from Davy the character because the whole game is about not reading too much into people from the way that they yeah. like the, their work and the way that they present themselves. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, second place with four points goes to Greg from Night in the Woods. Crimes. Crimes. Be yep, crimes. Be gay, do crimes. Yep. Um, cause you gotta love Greg. It's, it, it's, I think it's a, I think one of the reasons he's so memorable, like aside from just being sort of cute and quippy and, you know, cleverly written, uh, he he's a point of lightheartedness in a game that's otherwise pretty dour right like there's a lot of like it's a game that's in part about like sort of depression and feeling hopeless and greg is like coping right like yeah. he's not he's not in denial he's he understands that a lot of shit is bad but he f manages to find some positivity and cheerfulness regardless and like that's a valuable person to have in your life if you can find that yeah. Even if he's doing crimes. Yeah, and, and also just beyond being, you know, sort of the quippy, sort of comic reliefy, like Greg, like every character in the game, really is pretty well rounded and fully realized. Yeah. Yeah, so. he's got some real depth to him. Also, you have a knife fight with him, and how can that how can you not like that? It's true, yeah. If you go down the right path, you don't have to have a knife fight with him, but you can have a knife fight, knife fight with him. Yeah, and that's important. Uh, 
real low stakes knife fight. You just, your hand just gets cut up a bunch. Uh, okay. So tie for third place. Uh, the higher one, according to the tiebreaker, is Papyrus from Undertale. <laughs> Some of these were tough because we we limited ourselves to one character per game. But mm -hmm. you could have you. There were a lot of characters you could have put on this list from Undertale. Yeah. Like Undertale is all about memorable characters, but I the one that like is just the the one I feel like that makes me sort of smile the most is definitely Papyrus. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I, I was gonna say it's it's weird that everyone glommed onto Sands, but it's not weird. It's fully understandable <laughs> that everyone glommed onto Sands. Yeah. But I I still think uh, at least of the two of them, Papyrus best boy. And this, like, this is definitely a your mileage may vary sort of thing, but I was impressed that, for me at least, I felt like Papyrus is an archetype that could easily be very annoying, and I didn't find him annoying. I found him charming and, mm -hmm. like, because I think that's entirely based on the, how cliche you find his, like, his lines and his jokes. Like, if it's, if it's something you've heard before, um then it's like really tedious. But he was a goofball where like a lot of his lines were very unexpected. I still re I like I still think a lot about the like, you know, I have very high standards and you have the choice between like I have I can make pasta and I have no redeeming qualities. <laughs> and you choose I can make pasta. He says, "Oh no, you're meeting all of my standards." <laughs> yeah. Just the fact that there is an entire dating mini game yeah. With the pirates. This, why didn't we put Undertale in most replayable? I guess because Undertale is entirely linear. But <laughs> Yeah. And also, like, you shouldn't replay Undertale, right? Like, it, once you get the good ending, you should stop. I don't right? know. I've, I've replayed it again and still got the good ending. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do a genocide run because yeah. I, I'm uh, soft. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's definitely but, Undertale definitely takes the prize for a game I have watched most Let's Plays of after the fact. I think actually now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty sure I have done one entire full replay of like the good ending of Undertale since we played it for the podcast. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Um but yeah. Uh, like I said, there are a lot of like Asriel and slash Flowey could also be most memorable character. Toriel could go on here as most memorable character. Sans could go here. Undying could go here. Like there are a lot of very memorable characters. That game is all about its memorable characters. Yeah, yeah. So um, I would say I would say that's like kind of what it most has going for it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then I so... guess. <laughs> honorable mention one vote for me and my top vote professor helper baby <laughs> from it to the face outlaw yeah i think i, I almost take issue with that because he's almost not really a character i take That's... issue with you taking issue of that because if i had to like <laughs> vote again now i would probably put professor helper <laughs> yeah i think professor helper a lot for me comes down to like nostalgia I mean, that's, again, that's basically the point of hypnospace is coming down to nostalgia. But I just remember being a kid and installing fucking Bonzi Buddy on my computer. And 
like being a dumb kid not realizing just how boneheaded that was um and uh, yeah professor helper brings me back to that time when i was just a dumb kid downloading uh like crappy little programs that change your mouse cursor um and like sailor moon backgrounds that are like desktop backgrounds that are poorly photoshopped i don't know man <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's fair um the yeah it's hard because there aren't there aren't really that many characters in that game uh and the ones that there are you never see because you're just interacting with them through messages for the most part or you're interacting with them in some indirect form by like viewing yeah. their web pages. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so Professor Helper is actually weirdly like the closest you get to like an in-person interaction in that game. Yeah, I guess Professor Helper and Hippie, your little, um, I guess Hippie is a better anal analog to um, Bonzi Buddy. But that's it, the not, skull. As, not as memorable as Professor Helper though. Yeah, yeah. Also um, Clippy, which is- Yeah, basically. Is, yeah. yeah. So yeah, other other uh, games nominated in this category: uh, Uncle Page from Beyond Good and Evil, Miriam from Wander Song, Minso from Butterfly Soup. Where that was another category that literally that could have been any character from Butterfly Soup. Yeah. Um, Rubella from Child of Light by sheer virtue of being the only character who doesn't speak in rhyme, um, and Weaver from Kentucky Route Zero. For being this sort of like ghost that you follow the whole time. <clears throat> Some yeah. good characters. Uh, as I said, like we only had nine in that. We probably could have come up uh, with other uh, with others that belong in that category, uh, but we were too lazy and didn't. So there you go. Yeah. All right. I gotta be honest. My vote in this category is kind of like a toss up. In the next one. No, in memorable character. Oh, in memorable character. Who else? Is it because you didn't vote for uh, Professor Helper? Like, it could have been Professor Helper. It could have been, like, Uncle Page is pretty much, I think, kind of suffers from it was a really long time ago. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Um, it That is a remarkably memorable game, considering, like, how long ago... We played it. I still mm -hmm. remember a lot of details from it, which surprises me. Man, Beyond Good and Evil. That was like the second or third game we played, right? Yeah, it was an early it was one for sure. The first four, at least. Yeah. Was, uh, and we had, and it's a long game. We and and for like, uh, did it come out for PC? Is that why we played it? Yeah, yeah. I think it had been out but not for super long on pc i don't remember okay. exactly but um yeah because i i remember i played it for console because i like had had it from back in the day and um yeah that was the fourth uh... game that we played <laughs> dang yeah real wow. early back back in the uh the days of chris we miss you yeah. chris yeah um all right next category is best villain uh yeah, so villains that are, like, iconic and that you really find, like, inten you intensely dislike. They're very hateable or very scary. Uh, and once again, we tried to only do, like, one um, 
you know, one character per game. Some games have like multiple villains. Uh, there, this was a pretty spread category overall. There are definitely characters that I probably would have put more points into, uh, but there is one very definitive winner, mm -hmm. uh, which all three of us voted for. Yeah. Uh, and that's Monica from Doki Doki Literature Club, <laughs> which, dang, though, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it's she's super iconic. Yeah, like the whole game is about her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she's a she's a villain not for the protagonist but for you, right? Like she she cuts through the like meta stuff and goes right at you personally. Yeah. <clears throat> And she's like she but she's also got some nuance to her. Like in some ways you feel bad because she is a self-aware character in a video game whose existence stops when you're not playing the game and she knows this. And like that's fucked up. That's yeah, that pretty is, fucked up. <laughs> that is absolutely horrifying. So Yeah. Um, so yeah, Monica, we can't give that award to anyone other than Monica because Monica. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every other every other game in here was like three points or less, and that that game there that uh, that character is seven. So. Yeah. <clears throat> I think based, uh, I, I feel like based on our our totally on the fly rules that we're making up as we go along, since I'm the only person who voted for the creature and creature of the well, even though that's the next uh, <laughs> next highest number of points. I think we can still go back down and give it. Well, the thing is, oh, we have well, another no, three. We have two threes. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so we have two threes that uh, Kelso and I both. But the thing is, like, I also, if I had extra points, I also would have probably put the creature in the creature in the well because that's that's a good villain, also. Um, yeah, so tied tied with one top score each uh, for best villain is yeah the creature from Creature in the Well and Audrey from Wander Song mm -hmm. um, for I think very different reasons. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the creature is just, like, very cool, like, visually neat, and you have, like, some cool repeated boss fights versus this character that are, like, very intense, um, and it's just a very dominating presence in that game. Uh, mm -hmm. Audrey from Water Song is, like, very hateable in the way that her motivations are very, like human very like normal petty person believable right like she, yeah. she has an opportunity to be a better person and instead she's just kind of an asshole and you understand why but you still don't you still judge her for not being better mm -hmm. yeah <clears throat> and so they're both both good good honorable mentions for uh or you know both both good like like you can see why they got high scores in this category. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only other um, the only other category that got multiple votes was Flowey from Undertale. Again, Undertale. <laughs> yeah, there for the memorable characters, including yep. like yeah, a villain that that uh, is like just starts as like pretending to be like a nice like happy tutorial character then becomes like just a real like iconic classic baddie with no like redemption but then also becomes like the sweetest most redeemed character like 
dang. Yeah, it's quite Flowey's a ride. a lot of things. Honorable mention to Flowey. Yeah, but yeah, this was this was a, a pretty tough category. Yeah, there's like, and there's a lot of like. So the other other uh, characters that we we listed in this category are the devil from Pony <laughs> Island, um, the raccoon king from Donut County, Nacht from Hustle Cat, which that trailer still gives me chills a little bit, uh, Miss Talmadge from the Black Closet. Uh, and Judge uh, Kamui from the Silver Case and Judgment from Hyperlight Drifter, uh, who all have definitely like you know points to points to be made in their in their favor. Yeah, I think the problem is that Pony Island, for the most part, was not that game didn't leave a whole lot of impact. I don't think on any of us. Yeah, um, well, the, the problem is like the you would think the devil is the most iconic bad guy of all time, but also he's yeah. like, just not that villainous in the game. He's just kind of funny and sad. Yeah. And then honestly, Hyperlight Drifter was a really long time ago and I don't remember a whole lot about it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the villain in that is sort of the force of, is like a personification of the force of like entropy and death, like your inevitable failure of your human shell, which, yeah. you know, that's fucked up. Maybe a and little it's too cool. real. Yeah, like well designed, but uh, very abstract. Mm -hmm. uh, right, oh yeah, and then the next one. category is our most. I yeah, think we're not probably our a winner most in this divided. category. <laughs> yeah, um, and the next category is best moment and just a, so a single. We... Before Very we memorable read this, from before we read this, should we do this category last and just just use it to reminisce about moments? Yeah, that you know what? Even on this list, yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, okay. So, uh, spoiler alert: we'll come back to this one. We'll come back yeah. to the best moments. Um, that was a tease. So, yeah, yeah, that was a tease. So, uh, like, comment, and subscribe for <laughs> to hear our best moments. Um, yeah. So, okay, I guess going back down to the next row to uh, most innovative game. And this one uh, has <laughs> This is the, very strong agreement. Yeah, has, uh, well, the only other nine is in uh, Scariest. And yeah. I think we, we you can guess which one gets that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, most innovative. Uh, the winner got three points from all of us was Return of the Overdin. Yep. To no one's surprise. Yeah, because it's just it's it's innovation of the best kind. Where because like it's easy to be innovative. Um, we didn't put it on here, but uh, it probably should be in the the empty slot ten here. Uh, like the Norwood Suite is and Naissance and games like that are innovative, but they're innovative in ways that like you don't want to play them, right? Like they, they push the bounds too far into the artsy territory and they, they, they lose that, like the, that sort of appealing factor. And now, it's look, also... I would, I would disagree with you on the door. Yeah. Well, okay. Fair... With you as well. uh, but I guess yeah, appeal I is not, appeal is not really the word I want. They, they lose the like accessibility, like general accessibility, right? Like yeah. in terms of if you asked anyone to sit down and play, blank like the norwood suite would be inscrutable to a lot of people it, it um, goes a little too hard into like just not it goes past innovative and just straight into like avant-garde yeah exactly um and but like a game like in verbis vertus <laughs> yeah. yeah 
really like yeah. try too hard to make it innovative and yeah um but return of the Oberdin like takes a category that you sort of know like you sort of understand like it's kind of an adventure game but it, it makes something wholly new and not seen before right like it's mm -hmm. oh it's it's sort of a game where you are um you know, like solving a mystery and, but it's also a game that's almost like a hidden object game where you just have to be very observant about like images and spaces. And mm -hmm. it's a, it's a game that tells a story and it's a, you know, it's, it's a lot of things and it's not quite anything you've seen before, but it's also like immediately and viscerally understandable and accessible in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, and it's cool. And it's like, it's just a good game. That's fun to play. Yeah, I think like yeah. the real strength comes from the implementation of it, mm -hmm. where like everything fits together and works to enhance each other. Yeah, and it's like a really good and tight experience, and it's just compelling. Uh, like every every clue that you uncover also leads you to further questions, and it just keeps you in in that gameplay loop of well i figured this out but now i need to figure out this this and this mm -hmm. and it especially like at the time it came out it really felt like nothing else that i'd ever seen before yeah. um <clears throat> there are there are some like you can see its roots a little bit in like other genres that it may have come from like it has some things in common uh with horror story and it has some things in common with adventure games but it is it's definitely its own thing and its own experience um that you you just can't get anywhere else yeah i would yeah. actually argue that since then outer wilds is probably the game that has come the closest to being the same genre which is like yeah. detail oriented spatial mystery solving games mm -hmm. yeah i guess we could have put it's outer very wilds cool. as our we didn't we don't have a 10 for this one I guess we could have put Outer Wilds in this. Um, well, yeah. I, as I say, yeah. I think like also we could have put the Norwood Sweden. Yeah. Um, there's probably a number of other things we could have. We could have put uh, Doki Doki Literature Club for being like like weirdly meta, like deconstruction of the uh, the genre, but uh, but we didn't. Um, so second place. Uh, we had a tie for second place, so by tiebreaker rules, uh, speaking of her story, <laughs> goes yeah. to her story. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, like, a game where database searching is the mechanic, which is not something that you see in most places. It's yeah, also, I think like, I... the game on our list here that, like, kind of brought an entire genre back mm -hmm. of, like, FMB games. Yeah, it really kind of did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it they, made it. It's like, actually, what if FMV games were like a cool hip indie thing now? Yeah. Yeah, there are like several that I can think of um, that have come out since her story. And then there was a sequel ish, sequel ish to her story. I don't, I don't know if that's actually out. I think it is, right? I yes. don't know. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. It's a, yeah, I think it's like spiritual successor type thing. Yeah. Um, that is called Telling Lies, which I still right. have to play. Maybe we'll play that for the podcast at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a, it, once again, it's a game that like, 
you know, it's it's not something you've seen before, uh, but once you start, you get how to do it. Like you get mm -hmm. what it's doing, and uh, I think it's helped by having a very like pulpy and sort of easy to follow and easy to comprehend story, right? Like the mystery that you're uncovering is <laughs> like it's not it's not trying to be real highbrow. It's not trying to do too much. And that like makes it easier for you to like for you to use the mechanic and for you to kind of feel out where it's going. Where if it was like something really avant-garde and unpredictable, you wouldn't know like what to search for in the database. Yeah. I still just remember uh, <laughs> when I was playing that game, I had a little note card in front of me. And as you know, as the, the dialogue would occur, I would just write down things that I was like, that's a keyword. That's also a keyword. Mm -hmm. That's a key like, and I would write those down and like keep track of things that I wanted to search for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, my understanding is in telling lies, uh, one of the things they do is you have, there are fewer clips overall, but when you search a keyword, it goes to where that keyword appears in the clip. So there may be other parts of the clip that you don't see. Oh shit. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a that's like a a big change. It's yeah, a small they, change, I, but it's it the yeah, implications it, of it are huge. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's uh that's part of how that, that works. Um I, I don't <laughs> know. As I say, maybe we'll play it and I'm actually wrong, but <laughs> I, yeah. I believe that is the case. Yeah. Um, all right, and then the the third place or tie for second place uh, is Baba is You, um, which I think when we played this, we were pretty like universally agreed that like the puzzles were too hard for us, but it was cool. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. like it's. <sighs> Sorry, go ahead, Carl. It made Sokoban puzzles fun. <laughs> it did do that, and it's it's definitely like a very like weird twist on you know everything it's doing it's like it's a it's a very new and un, un not before seen mechanic uh in the form of like making and breaking rule sets mm -hmm. uh which is neat um but this is is starting to get in the territory of where the like general accessibility of it is hindered by some of the content choices like it's cool that the puzzles get really meta by the end but if if the puzzles are too hard for people to see the coolest parts of your game then it it hurts the sort of you know the the innovation because just most people don't experience it mm -hmm. yeah i still haven't met a single person that's beaten this game yeah yeah um, i i mean we played it for the podcast and i like i i shoved it into a dark corner of my brain and i shut the door and i locked it i will never <laughs> go back to baba is you it's cool like we all agreed but man yeah i just too much for me yeah that's fair um and so the, the on our set of nine games the only other game here that got a single point like i said this was a very tightly clustered category mm -hmm. um the only other game that uh that got one point was manifold garden yeah that and might that, be because we played it pretty recently to be yeah. honest i think it like so okay so i put a point into manifold garden you might remember i didn't really like manifold garden all that much um and i i think the reason i voted for it was because yeah it does a lot of really cool stuff um especially when you consider it as an art piece 
and not really yeah, a game. Te technologically, the whole like tessellating game space is an interesting innovation. Yeah, but it also isn't in <laughs> any other categories. I don't think. And I think it might have been like a little bit of a pity vote, but also <laughs> not because I don't is, know. Um, did we play? Did we play Antichamber on the podcast, or is that a game that we had all already played, so we didn't play it? Yeah, I think that I think we had already yeah, played no, it, played and it. and Sean had streamed oh, it. Yeah, 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 that's right. So we figured we didn't want to retread that ground. Yeah, because I I feel like in its in in uh, Manifold Gardens place. Uh, this like uh, antechamber might have gotten more points from us if it were on this list. Yeah, because it's it's innovative in similar ways, even though it's in a different innovation. Mm -hmm. And it's God, it's one of those things. It's like my relationship with Manifold Guarded feels way more complex than it probably is. Because like I said, I didn't really care for it. I didn't really enjoy playing it, but I recognize what's there, and. Uh, I feel like I should like it more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So there's that. Um, the other games uh, in this category are with, uh, with maybe one or two exceptions, mostly like small innovations on a genre where they like took some genre that you know well and they did some small twist that was kind of an interesting, like different thing. Um, mm -hmm. So other games in this category include... Uh, Child of Light, Impossible Creatures, From Dust, uh, Glittermitten Grove slash Frog Factions 2, uh, and Elegy for a Dead World. Which, I guess, like, Glittermitten Grove is uh, almost more innovative for its marketing scheme than for its uh, for the actual game itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Elegy for a Dead World is that, like, you know, verged too hard on the side of avant-garde. Yeah. Right? It's innovative in a way that probably most people won't copy, right? That's almost like the true mark of innovation is like, is it, does it push something forward far enough that other later games are definitely going to try and do something with this or it's going to mm -hmm. inspire other things? Um, and so when stuff is like too, too much on the like weird avant-garde side, like it, A, has a smaller audience so it, it ends up having a like a smaller just um dissemination through the culture uh and be like people have a harder time like m understanding how they would use this kind of thing in their own work yeah uh, I, I would even say that like uh, frog fractions in general sort of falls into that same category for a different reason mm -hmm. in that you know frog fractions basically frog fractions you can kind of only do it once yeah. And you can nobody you can't do it again. Nobody can ever do it again. I feel like our our consensus on Frog Fractions 2 was that it was not as good. Maybe not good isn't the right word, but it didn't it wasn't as effective as the yeah, first one. Yeah, it didn't one. recapture it didn't recapture what was cool about Frog Fractions 1. Mm -hmm. Which because you can't. Because yeah, exactly. the whole joke is that it's a twist and once you've done a twist, you've done a twist. Yeah, um, although it was pretty brilliant to hide Frog Fractions 2 in another game. Yeah. But then that's that's just, no, that's you've it. Done that's that. the twist. Yeah. yeah. The twist would have yeah. been if they made Frog Fractions 2, 2 just like Frog Fractions 1, but without escaping the first sequence. 
I mean, and we all we all agreed that we enjoyed Glitter Mitten Grove and probably would have played a full version of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of games that are very twisty, uh, the next category <laughs> is most confounding. Um, and I can think of at least two games that aren't on here that should have. We only have eight. Um, this is a category that didn't have a lot of agreement to begin with. So I don't think if we had included Naissance and Cairo on here, they would have uh, been chosen. But they probably should have been on this list. I mean, um, Cairo was, was confounding because of, like, really bad puzzle design. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, fair. Yeah. yeah, so this is games that were pretty what the fuck. <laughs> like, not necessarily that we didn't like them, but just that they're very inscrutable. Mm -hmm. um, you're like, what? What? Uh, what though? <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, this is a this is a game that or this is a sequence that did not have a lot of agreement. We have a tie for first place with four points each and two votes for each. Um, <laughs> inscrutable oh, yeah. in very different ways. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like because we've talked about it so much in other games, we got to give first place to Norwood Suite, even though it's a tie. Because yeah. in terms I of the will most... argue. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, it's a real, it's a real inscrutable game. I guess I, yeah, I guess I did vote. I, I did put my three points in Norwood Suite. So Actually, uh, there's the reason that I would argue that, but, uh, yeah, you know what? I didn't, I didn't even vote for our other, uh, our, our tie for first. Our tie for first was Gyromancer, but now that I'm thinking about it, I could have put some points into Gyromancer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe we, maybe it is a genuine tie. Um, yeah, we, I think we, this one can just be a, a like a pure tie. Yeah, each of them got one one-pointer and one three-pointer. Um, mm -hmm. The Norwood Suite for just being, like, what the fuck is even going on? Like, it, and like, it's <clears throat> it's a game that doesn't care about realism in any way. Um, it, where the yeah. the the environment and the mechanics and the way everything is presented is all there to support like the tone and the artistic vision. Nothing is there because it has to be there. Everything is there because they were trying to do something real specific. Mm -hmm. And even like the, the underlying world, like, and you see more of that in, in Off Peak and um, a more recent entry from the developer that came out called Tales from Off Peak City, where you, it, you exist in a world where music is basically like a form of currency. Yeah. <laughs> and just that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, it's very dreamlike. The Norwood Suite is mm -hmm. very dreamlike compared to the the tie for Gyromancer, which is very grounded in a lot of ways, and then in just way too many ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then just utterly inscrutable in terms of narrative, where it's like, what the fuck are you even doing? Game, game, stop. Game. Yeah. It has like um, it has cheesy RPG writing. It has Bejeweled. It has board games. It has Pokemon's. It's got everything. Yeah, that's it true. It, I, I suppose you're right. It is mechanically inscrutable in that it's like trying to be five things. Yeah. It is narratively inscrutable in that like most of the lore that you need to understand what's going on is like hidden four menus deep in like a lore section, um, ah. and. Like even with the lore, it does like a character dies. I think three separate times over the course of that game, um, and just she and not she doesn't just die. She's like fridged three separate times. Yeah, I should. 
uh, Gyromancer again was a, a pretty early one that we played, and I, I should have predicted this. Every game that we talk about that is from like the older times, I'm like, man, I should just go back and play that. I should go back and play Gyromancer. Which it's not a it's not that it's not a fun game to play because it's it's just Bejeweled Twist, yeah. And so like Bejeweled Twist is a fun game, and therefore Gyromancer is a fun game. But damn, is it an inscrutable game though? Yeah, but also like, why was this made? Yeah, who thought <laughs> yeah. it was a good idea? Yeah, that's that's do... the big mystery for me. Yeah, for for anyone who maybe slept on this episode of our podcast, Gyromancer was co-created between. Uh, PopCap and Square Enix. So, you know, yeah. both titans in their respective genres, but, like, very diametrically opposed genres. Yeah, a, a, absolutely a daring synthesis. <laughs> yeah. The uh, next Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. But, you know, I think maybe they were trying to make that lightning strike twice. Um, although, I don't know, does Gyromancer predate Kingdom Hearts? I don't think it does. No. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, it, it made a thing, and it's, like, it's, the story is so bad, it's funny, which I think makes it entertaining to play. Yeah. And, you know, it's also Bejeweled, and also it's Pokemon, so... Really, there's something for everybody. Yeah. Yep. All right. And uh, and third place by tiebreaker rules uh, goes to Thirty Flights of Loving, another like very avant-garde, like trying to do something real specific sort of game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, well deserved. It does some weird, cool stuff. It's just it's because it's so like avant-garde and uses like dramatic cuts as one of its main mm-hmm. sort of uh, like innovations. It can be like hard to follow and sort of hard to understand like what I guess it's not hard to understand sort of what it's going for, but it's a, it's a weird ride. It's a weird yeah. ride. I think it's, it's a great, um, it's a great attempt at really distilling the filmic qualities of a spy thriller, because a lot of times when you're playing a video game, you have, so much agency that there isn't much um like you're not that worried about failing and 30 flights of loving and gravity bone kind of take a lot of that away from you and that it's very linear and there are points where you know bad stuff is going to happen to the protagonist and they happen to the protagonist and you can't stop it because that's what's supposed to happen narratively yep so yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then the uh the the lower half of that tie is the silver case, which just got the highest score from Kelso. Yep. The silver case uh made my head hurt, but it also was very difficult for me to put down once I picked it up. Yeah. I suppose so. it are, is was arguably confounding for me in that like I just I bounced off the inscrutability in it. I'm like yeah. I don't understand what's going on. I have a hard time like figuring out what me- they want me to do mechanically and I I rage I, that's one of the games on here that I have rage quit. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I am not the one on this podcast who has a reputation for being like the grumpy one. Uh <laughs> not going to name names. Um but I I have probably rage quit more games than anyone else on this podcast. 
that because you're the grumpy one. Maybe. <laughs> it's true. Maybe I am the grumpy one. Um, yeah. But man, I don't I don't blame you for not getting all the way through the silver case. I just I remember like, thinking both of, you, both of you finished the silver case and both of you finished Naissance, and I didn't finish either of those games. Yeah. I think I it's enjoyed both. Yeah, I it's it's weird. Again, like uh, the, the way I feel about the silver case is I would start playing it and I would get really in like I would get really sucked into it. And there would always be a moment where, like, my head would start hurting, and I would think, this isn't fun. I'm not enjoying this, but I also can't stop. And I I kind of had the same thing with naissance. I don't know if it's just, like, a weird yeah. tendency towards, like, self-flagellation. Um, but the Silver Case I at least had, like, interesting narrative things going on. And I guess naissance had interesting environmental architectural things going on where it's like yeah. what's the next weird environment gonna be yeah and that's what sort of kept me into it but, um yeah it's funny because sayonara wild hearts is also on this list and uh that was like the exact opposite experience where it's like i have no idea what's going on but i love yeah. it <laughs> yeah um yeah so other yeah other games that were on this list are were um, Sayonara, Wild Hearts, uh, Frog Fractions 1 and 2, Triforce, and Blues from Midavinda, which, speaking of blasts from the past that like, yeah. we played a long time ago. Yeah. That was a weird game. I'm not surprised that one didn't get any votes. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's it, yeah. it was a thing that was trying to do a thing. It was claymation. It was sort of, like, weird and pretentiously avant-garde. Um mm -hmm. But, like, the Norwood Suite was, like, everything that Blues from Midavinda was, but more so and better, I feel like. Yeah. And, so. um, I, I mean, the guy the guy who made Blues from Midavinda um, has made a ton of games, and they're kind of all like that. Um, okay. And it's, like, it, it, if you like it, you like it, and if you don't, you don't. And that's really all there is to it. Um, yeah. But they're and all... They're, they're really that, all... They're well crafted. Like doing claymation at all is hard, and like kudos to the craftsmanship involved yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, they're they're like, <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, Jack King Spooner, and he's made a ton of games, and they're basically all inscrutable. Um, <laughs> and I've played a lot of them, so yeah, it's you, you know it, it clicks with you or it doesn't, and that's really all there is to it. Yep. Um, all right, next category. Next category is, Carl, do you want to read the next category? I feel like Kyla and I keep trading it. Sure. Okay, next go for is it. Best mystery. Yeah, this one, this one was very high consensus as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it helps. Helps that we only had uh, seven games uh, in the category. Yeah. But still. Yeah, um, winner on this one by one point. We have eight points and seven points, and Outer Wilds won by a single point, yeah. but three votes for both games. So yeah, I guess yeah, we... I was so close to getting that to a tie like one minute before we started this. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Yeah, because our top two games are both basically the only games in their genre which tells you what the second place one is if you've been paying attention uh, but yeah like outer wilds um 
I, I don't know. I kind of feel like Outer Wilds had to win something for this for me. Yeah. Um, because it's like it's a game that is a mystery, but you almost the fact that it's a mystery almost takes you by surprise. Like it's it's a, it's a mystery as you start to you, you think you're just exploring and then you're like, oh, like exploration is mystery uncovering. Mm-hmm. And it's it's cool. It does a weird thing. And there's so much to explore, and it's all so varied, and all of it's good, basically. Um, yeah, it's all well, and... super well crafted, um, and like the mystery, like there's a twist ending to the mystery, which is that like you solve the mystery, and you, the whole time you solve the mystery, you think like the solution to this mystery is gonna let me, like, do something like big and important. And it sort of does, but in in many ways, the solution to the mystery is just you solved a mystery, and now you know more things. And it's it's almost like anticlimactic, but in an incredibly profound way, <laughs> where yeah. it's like questioning the general meaninglessness or meaningfulness of life, mm-hmm. which is an it's insanely kind of funny. big thing. Yeah, it's kind of funny that like both our top games, you don't really get an uh, any like reward for figuring out stuff. Yeah, because the mystery is its own reward, right? Is yeah. supposedly. The mystery was the friends we made along the way. Yeah, I mean, literally in the in the outer wilds. Outer wilds, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the sense that you are like making like sort of, you know, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, distant virtual friends with these people that you are learning so much about, but who you can never mm-hmm. really talk to in most cases. Yeah. Um, dang, Outer Wilds is good. And then second place is, of course, Return of the Obra Dinn, which we've we've outlined all the reasons it's like good and innovative. But yeah, it's also it a good mystery. Both of these games are games where you actually feel like a detective um, because you are... Um, like, you, the, the mystery solving comes from being aware of your surroundings and noticing details. So by being observant and putting things together, that's how you solve the mystery. And that's that mm-hmm. feels like what you want a mystery game to feel like. Yeah. 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 I love um, I almost don't think we get a third place in this because we had three separate one pointers. Yeah. Nobody put no none no two of us put our, our last point in another category. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, so the, just, the just the other game third. in this category. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, we had the sexy brutal, which I don't, I don't, I feel like the sexy brutal didn't make it into a lot of other categories, but that's a game it's we played. Still, yeah, it's a good game. Yeah, um, her story, which again we already talked about, black closet, uh, hypnospace outlaw, and Elsinore. Yeah, all all good mysteries in their own right and sort of in their own way. Um, you know, most of them mechanically interesting and different. Mm-hmm. Um, but And a lot of very different types of, you know, what can be considered a mystery. Like, I would say probably out of all of them, uh, you know, of the remainder, I feel like the Black Closet is closest to, like, very cut and dried, typical, this is what you expect out of mystery. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, and it's, yeah, some of them, like, the sexy brutal you don't really realize is a mystery until the end, to some extent. I mean, you sort of do. You're like, the mystery mm-hmm. is what's going on here. 
but it it more feels like it's it's definitely more puzzly. Same kind of with Elsinore, where like it, it's presented as puzzly. About and the sexy it's not, was not until you start thinking yeah. about it that you're like, oh, this is kind of actually a mystery. Yeah, like I had no idea what was going on narratively at all until the very end of the mm -hmm. game. <laughs> yeah. So. And, yeah. So we have both of our time loop games. Uh, no, all three of our time loop games on this list. Yeah. Price. Yeah, there they are. Yeah. I guess time loops are inherently <laughs> mysterious. Yeah, I guess. Um, also, both of the database searching games, because that's like a new genre of mystery that has come up. In mm -hmm. some ways, you could sort of think of Return of the Oberdin as a database searching game as well, I guess. So yeah, the, kind of. the moral of this yeah. story is that database searching and time loops are your best mysteries. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so there you go. Take notes. Um, yeah, so that's that category. Uh, yeah. <laughs> next up is scariest. Ooh, yep. Everybody knows what got top in scariest. It's another nine pointer. Um, yeah. Yeah, literally just games that scared us the most. Uh, not all of these games are necessarily horror games because we didn't play that many horror games, but we did play games that like had that were maybe unintentionally scary. Yeah. But first place, drum roll. Uh, yeah, the cat lady, that of was course. Not very good drum roll, but yeah. Yeah. Um. How could it not be the cat lady? This yeah. is the category that the cat lady deserves, which yeah. is like scariest. And it like again, I, I almost take I I did give it my top points, um, but I almost mm -hmm. take issue with it because I don't think it's like actually scary in a lot of ways. I think it's like viscerally shocking in in a horrifying way. Um, but in in terms of the games that I was most like. Un unwilling to see what happened next because I was afraid of where it was going. Yeah. It's the cat lady. Although I will say, I feel like the cat lady and maybe Bioshock were the only games that we played that really had any jump scares in them. That's true. But Did the cat lady have a lot of jump scares? I guess it, it sort of did. It, it was jump scares. I think, if I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think it was mostly like really loud music cues or like big mm. stings that would pop up and yeah that's what i'm remembering mostly but i remember having at least one or two jump scares from that yeah i remember um, just a lot of like gross pulsing flesh as yeah. part of that <laughs> game that's my main memory of that game um uh second place goes to doki doki literature club um and with four jump points. scares uh, I, guess, I guess it did. Yeah. Doki Doki Literature Club, I, I remember. I actually streamed that one. Um, and I remember, like, there was a there's a jump scare towards the end where I'm like, yep, you got me, game. I knew you were about to jump scare me there, and you jump scared me there, and I <laughs> was scared and jumped. <laughs> like, um, yep. so, but it's, it's, I feel like Doki Doki Literature Club... It also does some things that are just for shock value, but it also has a lot more things that are like, like viscerally and existentially terrifying as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely um, into that for sure. Yeah, which is why that got my my second place because just like knowing that 
you are trapped in a game and you are at the your very existence is at the whim of whether the player decides to turn it off or not is a pretty terrifying concept. Yeah. And also they do a great like it, this is such a hard game. This game is such a hard sell in some ways because the first half is just straight up typical dating sim, right? Mm -hmm. Like it it does so much ground laying of like lulling you into a false sense of security with things that you expect um, and then just breaking those things left and right. And it's the contrast that I think really helps make that really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Also getting a, a lot more people, I think, into visual novels is the yeah. scariest thing of all. <laughs> it's true. Um, the, yeah, so the, the tie for, uh, for third place with two points apiece and one vote apiece were Franbo and Naissance. Um, I, that also for very different reasons, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Carl, you want to give the, uh, the argument on Franbo since you voted for it? I mean, I just put my points depending on how scared I was playing it. Fair but like, Franbo and especially like, first like two chapters scared mm -hmm. the shit out of me this was yeah. the whole, it was the whole thing of like you have to take your pill but you know that when you take the pill like gonna be scary yeah, yeah. bad things are gonna happen is yeah that's that's true that's the thing that franbo does that most other things don't do which is like they force you to inflict the horror upon yourself because you know, like you know that bad things are going to happen, but you also know that in order to progress, you have to do the thing that's going to make bad things happen. Yeah, I sort of forgot about that mechanic in Frambo. Yeah, probably because that was mostly in the early parts of the game. Yeah, and then most really of what I remember way. about Frambo is that it has a really weirdly like just pleasant section in the middle. <laughs> I don't understand how you find that section pleasant. <laughs> It's a world of, like, cute little critters and, and bugs, and, like, some bad stuff happens, but compared to the first few chapters, it's, like, pretty idyllic. Yeah. Um, but I appreciated that and about I... the game, because it let me, like, breathe. Yeah. It was idyllic, but also a lot of really, uh, like, esoteric puzzles in that section, too. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but... Yeah, and then Kelso, do you want to talk about Naissance, since that was your vote? Yeah, Naissance, I mean, the the vibe is just constantly so oppressive. And even though, you know, it's like I knew there wasn't really going to be a jump scare at any point, it still gave me that feeling of, like, claustrophobia and the anxiety of, like, but what if there is? Because, yeah. you know, just like a... a uh, frequently Constantly very waiting for a jump scare yeah you're in like claustrophobic environments but then it opens up and it's like i'm either going to get jump scared when i go around a corner or i'm going to get chased and eventually you do get chased yeah uh, and it's not really that scary but it is pretty it, it's just the overall vibe of like oh yeah. god i'm uncomfortable about yeah, what could it's, happen it's, here it's all tension all the time and yeah. i feel like we gave we didn't, maybe we did, or maybe, no, you guys finished it. I didn't give Naissance a fair shake. Um, I watched some stuff afterwards that made me, uh, like, reevaluate my opinion of it, where I, like, heard, you know, like, oh, the developer was going for a reference to 
uh, Blam, Blam. It's like, yeah, this yeah. comic. It's about how like the architecture hates humans and like doesn't want pe people to be there. You know, like it's a it's a like human agnostic architecture. Mm -hmm. um, and like I'm like that's a cool perspective. And actually, like you know, hearing other people explain it and talk about it more, I'm like, okay, I guess I do see what this game is going for. And that makes me mm -hmm. like appreciate it more in retrospect, but not enough to go back and finish it. Yeah, in, because I on just the found they they also have like a black and white flashing room. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It, it's like intentionally player antagonistic. And I am not going to put myself through that antagonism just to finish the game. Yeah, that's, yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you for that at all. Um, yeah, I, I even feel like I, I, you know, was relieved to be done with it when I was done with it. And I, you know, after having talked about it and thought about it more, I feel more pleasantly about it, about just the experience of having gone through it. Um, but again, not enough that I have actually gone back to it. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting art piece. It is not a fun game to play. Yeah. Yep. Um, so other games in this category are Pony Island, uh, Cairo, The Norwood Suite, The Silver Case, Maze, and Night in the Woods. Which, mm -hmm. I, some of these have an argument for them, but uh, like, you know, none of them are the cat lady. So yeah, yeah. Cairo has a skeleton in it at one point. <laughs> yeah, I would, um, argue, I would argue that like the scariest things about Cairo are just kind of watered down versions of Naissance. Yeah, but with skeletons. But there's also a skeleton. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Night in the Woods has some scary parts, but it's not an overall scary game. Uh, the Norwood Suite, I put a point into because of, I still remember how terrified I was in that final ending segment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like the other stuff is, you know, have like, I don't even know. I'm not sure why Maze is on here. Does Maze deserve to be on here? I think, I don't know, but like Maze has a lot of tension. Yeah, yeah I think. I guess especially in the beginning, before you exactly. discover the corn people. And it just becomes more a humor game. Um, the like, the the like, you are like on an abandoned farm. Is part is pretty like has some tension, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's it it fakes you out in the opposite way of Doki Doki Literature Club, where you think it's going to be scary, and then it ends up just being stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Next category is best humor. Games that made us, you know, laugh or smile or like that we that we remember fondly as being funny. Um, top marks in this go to West of Loathing uh, because it's it's a well-written comedy. The humor in it is just like solid writing. Yeah, I think I should have taken my uh, hang on. I'm going uh, <laughs> to You're gonna uh, reset one of your points. Uh, Yeah. I'm not gonna reset my I'm not gonna reset my main my main one because I voted for my my I put my top three in there, I think out of spite mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I can looking at what you chose for top, I can see that. Um yeah, so West yeah. of Loathing with now seven points mm -hmm. um is yeah, it's it's a solidly written humor game. It's it's funny in a way that's like sometimes dumb but never dumb enough to be annoying 
and often very clever. And it, it takes a genre and it does some really funny, like, genre spoof stuff. Uh, it's got a little bit of the, like, surrealist, like, inscrutable humor at times as well. It's just, mm -hmm. uh, it's got a little bit of something for everybody, humor-wise. Yeah, like, I normally hate, like, sheep, like, puns and jokes like that. But, like, Western Loading does them so well and so cleverly mm -hmm. that it becomes, a, like, a really good gag. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't, like, there's no, there's no part of the jokes that, like, really overstay their welcome. Yeah, and, and a lot of the jokes that are long-running are jokes that you intentionally have to keep running. Yeah. Thinking about, like, digging into the spittoons. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you intentionally have to go out of your way yeah, to you keep opted, the spittoon you joke running. Yeah, you into those jokes. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, uh, it's got some, like, some, a lot of the jokes are, like, woven into the mechanics as well. Like, even the character classes are jokes. And it's yeah. that's good. Uh, West of Loathing is a funny game. Yeah. Uh, second place goes to Frog Detective, which is yeah, a lost so, game. Yeah, Frog Detective is a lost episode, so I feel like I don't know why we kept it on here, but we did. We did. Um, maybe maybe we forgot to take it off. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but yeah. you know what? I voted for it anyway because yeah, so it's, it's adorable and just like. It's not trying to do much. It's just cute and cheesy and a little odd, a little goofball-y. And mm -hmm. it's it's funny in, like, the most just, like, earnest and huggable way possible. Yeah. This will be, like, a little teaser, because now that there is a new Frog Detective game in the series, we're probably going to redo that episode with yeah, both we'll play games. Yeah, we'll play the second one. Because it was, it's a short game, and it was a short episode, and unfortunately uh, had recording issues so we we didn't um publish that one but yeah we'll come back to it yeah but yeah play frog detective it's like a half hour game it's not yeah. that much of your time it's real cheap and it's it's worth it it's it's mm -hmm. like if you need if you need a feeling like you're taking you need to take a brain break from like terrible real life shit for a while like Frog Fractions, or sorry, Frog Detective is a good way of doing that. Mm -hmm. Frog Fractions is also on this list, but didn't get any points, and it's right above it, so my eyes keep <laughs> sliding through. Yeah. Um, Frog Detective is a good, like, short comfort break. It's a it's a, it's a self care game. Yeah, I need to actually buy the second game. And so uh, third place, Kelso's spite vote for Maze. My spite vote for Maze. Um, you put. I you gave three points to Maze, Kelso. I gave three give, points to Maze. Why did you give three points to Maze? Because I think that stupid nihilism has its place. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I mean, it did. It did legitimately make me laugh, uh, in in a lot of like especially in like the item descriptions and the fact that it's such a dumb game that going into the menu to look at the item description tells you almost explicitly in every case what you have to do with that item and what puzzle it solves it it takes the the concept of 
being stupid because that's also kind of the point is that your protagonist that you are embodying, you don't find this out until the end, but your protagonist is kind of just an idiot. And yep. it, I feel like it, it plays with that concept really well. And it's a hard thing to do because most people playing the game are not as stupid as the protagonist of the game. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah I. <clears throat> Maze is a Maze is a very like, you know, sp specific taste sort of sense of humor. I feel mm -hmm. like it's a sort of sense of humor that you either find really funny or really grating. Yep. And I I personally found it pretty grating. <laughs> But I can yeah. see I can see how some people would really like the game, so that's fair. Yeah, that's I think fun. I would have find it like funny, but like Maze has so many problems. It does yeah. have a lot of problems. That's fair. Um, other games on this list include Long Live the Queen, Donut County, Doctor Langaskov, the Frog Fractions games, uh, Dream Daddy, and Untitled Goose Game. Uh, most of which have some argument. I think the only argument for Long Live the Queen was that we had we found it really funny all the weird like trying to get all the weird endings. Yeah. Um, but like and... Donut County has some cute item descriptions as well, and mm -hmm. Doctor Langaskoff is a genre is, is a sort of game parody in in an interesting way. Um, you know, there's. There's points to be like argued for all of them, but yeah, the West of Loathing was pretty far and away the the winner on that category. Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> since Kelso's changed, the only category, the only game that all three of us voted for. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, second to last category. Kelso, you want to take oh, this yeah, one? I'll read it. Uh, second to last category is. Best narrator, um, and the note that we have on this is that this category is here for Zumbinis, and this category is here for Zumbinis, but there is a dark horse. Yeah, we actually have a tie for first, but Zumbinis yeah, I'm so happy still we have wins. a tie for first. Yeah, <laughs> Zumbinis still wins because we all voted for it. Yeah, by tiebreaker rules, Zumbinis yes. is the winner. <laughs> because we had to give that narrator in Zubini something. Because yeah. he's so he he did such good work though. He did such good work and look, I, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about this man, but he probably had just an absolute fucking blast doing it. <laughs> and that's a good narrator. That's a good ass narrator. Yeah. It's so. the it's like the narrator that you would want for your storybook. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you can't get Stephen Fry to read your children's book, you want this guy. Maybe you even want this guy over Stephen Fry. Like, it's just the most, like, earnest, like, dignified, <laughs> comforting, like, just, just nice. Just a nice narration. Yeah. Really the only game that I sometimes consider just reinstalling and playing just for the narration honest like that's that's not even i'm not even like doing a fun little bit here sometimes i just think man i really want to hear the zumbinis guy um, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and we when we played it at the time i remember uh i was touting it as like this is a game that i played a lot in my childhood and they have the original narrator and that's a huge selling point 
And yeah. then everybody played it and we're like, holy shit, the original narrator is the biggest selling point of this game. It's great. So good. Other stuff has been like like remastered and and you know upresed and stuff, but they kept the narrator because the narrator was perfect and needed no change. Yeah. Uh, and then the 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 lower lower place of the tie was beginner's guide. Yep. <laughs> Which is the exact opposite uh, in terms of like reasoning. Like it has nothing to do with the voice or the enthusiasm and everything to do with the character, which we already talked about in the characters section. Uh, so this is just an aside. Sorry, sorry to derail for a second, but I, I just Googled Zumbini's narrator because I want to know what that guy's up to. So his name is Randy Nazarian. And if you, he has a page on Voices.com that also includes uh, apparently like some of his demo recordings. So Ooh. if you yeah, want to like check that out, check that out, absolutely. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to go look that up. I mean, stalk the Zimbabwean narrator. <laughs> I mean, he's so good. I would hire him as a narrator for a project. Yeah. Hip hip, zombies. Mostly, I was just checking to see if he's still alive. Um, <laughs> That's fair. And I'm gonna uh, go. I'm, I mean, considering he narrated the original game, and that was quite a bit ago now. Yeah, but I can't. I can't find anything about it, so I'm not gonna keep looking. That's fine. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So the beginner's guide for basically all the reasons we said. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the narrator is interesting, complex. It's one of the only, um, like, game narrator slash, like, you know, voice of authority that is an unreliable narrator. Like, you almost never see that trope in games. Mm -hmm. um, but but Davy is, like, absolutely an unreliable narrator, which is cool. And it's, I feel like it's really hard to get the unreliable narrator right, especially in games and that this was done as well as it was is really just a testament to how good the beginner's guide was. I know a lot of people decry it as like, oh, it's just an art game, but the man, well, screw the, you. <laughs> well, the problem is also it's a game that's like, the interesting thing about it is the twist and the twist comes like an hour into the game. <laughs> so or at, like at least an hour into the game. So I could easily see how someone like might boot it up play the first 30 minutes and go, this is pretentious and weird and not for me and just shut it back down. Yeah. But man, it's not even that long. <laughs> it's, it's like a two, two to two and a half hour game. Yeah. So. You would stick it out for that long. Come on. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, it's a fascinating game. Um, and third place goes to one of our two like celebrity voices on this list, uh, which is uh, where the water tastes like wine. Uh, Sting. Yeah, I mean, it's just I gave the game a lot of shit for having Sting in it, <laughs> but it is Wait. a good voice actor. And yeah, it's the it is the it's right good... voice for what it's going for, right? Yeah, that sort of like gravelly macho Americana kind of voice. Yeah, probably the only reason I didn't vote for Sting was because uh, there was that that was one of the games where there's just so much reading, and I don't like when there's voiceover of text that is on the screen because I read it mm -hmm. faster than it's narrated and it annoys yep. me. 
So I turned yeah, it I off. I definitely interrupted Sting really many times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by just clicking but, through. But man, it's just it's Sting, Sting baby. Yeah. Yep. I guess honorable mention to uh, Queen Latifah from Sayonara Wild Hearts, who was the fourth place, um, mm -hmm. the other celebrity voice mm -hmm. on uh, on the list. Yeah. Um, so other other narratives, uh, other narrators that were on this list: Sayonara Wild Hearts, uh, Doctor Langeskov. What remains of Edith Finch and Dear Esther. Mm -hmm. So both of our both of our walking sims made it as games that are primarily about storytelling through narration. Yeah. But yeah, no, this was a pretty this was a pretty clear cut um Zumbinis and Beginner's Guide as the top two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that that we explicitly wrote this category is here for Zumbinis and Zumbinis didn't even sweep it. But, you know, <laughs> it's true. Zumbinis <laughs> didn't get the die. Zumbinis didn't even get more than one three pointer. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's the category was still there because of Zumbinis. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that is uh, our that not last us, category. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that leaves us with best moment, uh, yeah. which we had, we, we listed 10 memorable moments from games. These are like, Pretty much, like most of the games we played, can have memorable moments. We can maybe start with the ones on this list. Some of these we tried to do like one moment per game, but there were some games that like we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't, uh, we couldn't pick one. We just ended up listing like at least two. Yeah. Uh, let's. I guess let's start with uh, what we gave our three points to. I mm -hmm. gave my three points to uh, our very first game. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, the moment towards the end where you, you for a while, your brother... So each brother, if you have, don't know this game, it's a puzzle game where like there's two brothers and each one is one hand on the controller, like one one joystick, basically, and, and one um, trigger. And then the older brother dies uh, and you just don't use that hand for a while. And then there's a part where like, the younger brother has to kind of like grow up and fill his brother's shoes and they require to you to use the older brother's hand again. And for me, that was like a moment like the, like the ending of like the, the final boss sequence uh, boss run in braid, the moment that was just like the quintessential like peak of mixing narrative and mechanics that was so special that like, I feel like that's, for me, that's like a super important moment um, mm -hmm. in, in my like memory of like in gaming, just <laughs> developmentally. Uh, and so that was, that was very big to me. So that's why I gave that my three points. Mm -hmm. Carl, um, you're guess, listed, you're listed oh, second. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I gave my points to the unreliable narrator revelation because it was just like, you're just packed with like a lot of emotions of like the narrator coming out and like sort of like putting the cards on the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the it's the the moment in the beginner's guide where you suddenly realize what the beginner's guide is actually about, which yeah. is a big thing. I mean, even if you're like kind of new before mm -hmm. just like 
like getting him to hear like getting to hear him say it mm-hmm. like makes for a powerful moment yeah right. it's it's like the combined yeah the combined satisfaction of a finding out that you were right and b of this kind of kind of a villain um sort of realizing oh actually i fucked up and i feel bad about it mm-hmm. yeah yeah although in the in the beginning of the revelation he's like trying to justify himself he's like mm-hmm. this is why it's important this is why it's it's good that i've been changing the games as we go along and like you're like oh shit <laughs> you've been what yeah uh and then kelso uh yeah i gave I gave my three-pointer to the eel chase scene from Gris. Um, most, uh, yeah, not not even because it was like a big emotional moment, but just because it was in, in an otherwise mostly pretty placid game. It was just the, the, there was like a scare there and also just the heart-pounding sequence that followed it was really impactful mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. And there's a lot of scenes you could choose from Gris if you were trying to choose like most memorable scene. Maybe not mm-hmm. a lot of them, but there are some pretty strong contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was definitely like a moment. There's definitely a moment towards the end of like, you know, a feeling of of like revelation and overturning where you're like, you know, it seems like you're gonna sort of drown back into despair and you have to like push forward and that's like really meaningful. But there's a lot of mm-hmm. good stuff. But yeah, the eel chase is a is a pretty like whoa like crazy moment in that game mm-hmm. and it's beautiful because everything in that game is beautiful yeah absolutely and it just feels good too like I, I feel like i think we maybe discussed this but i don't know if it's necessarily possible to fail that sequence unless you just don't like unless you just sit there mm-hmm. i'm pretty um, sure you can just sit there and still not fail it oh really okay yeah I, I didn't try because I was so compelled to run. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> looking at it after the fact, it's like, oh, there was absolutely no tension there at all. But but it feels like because there is. it was just so well done, even even understanding the illusion, it still works. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. So the the other three pointer, which I guess would have won this category by our tiebreaker rules, oh, yeah. um, is are moments from Outer Wilds, but I think the thing is we listed two moments, and I think Carl and I voted for different moments from that game. Yeah. Uh, so I I voted for like the whole like end of the universe or like eye of the universe end sequence in Outer Wilds. Basically everything from when you pull the cord and you realize the music changes and you realize uh, sorry pull the core uh, and and the music changes and you're like oh shit this is it. This is this is the ending of the game. This is my my last life, like all the way through the end of the game is just like, the more I, like watch other people play it, and the more I think about it, the more I've liked it over time. It's only gotten better for me in retrospect. Yeah, so I picked the first time the sun explodes, when like the first time you hear like the music starts, mm-hmm. yeah, and everything goes like, quiet. Yeah, it's and especially if you don't know it's coming, I feel like it's like yeah. what what's happening, and it's like oh shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's, a... it's kind of amazing the um, 
the difference in your reaction from the first time it happens and how kind of terrifying it is to like later on in the game when it started happening i would just try to yeet myself into the damn sun <laughs> yeah and that became like a like a a, a different game within the game mm -hmm. yeah find a new different way to to watch the supernova or throw yourself into the supernova mm -hmm. um see there's some two pointers uh dying by chocolate in long live the queen i feel like we just have some like i have some really fond memories of long live the queen i think it's because it's in some ways it's the game that we played together the most because that was when it was all four of us and we kept like chatting with each other over skype about like what what endings we'd gotten and what paths we'd taken and how to do certain paths and I think we just, like, the death by chocolate is a pretty funny moment in Long Live the Queen, but there was just, there was some good camaraderie in that game. I have some good memories of that. Mm -hmm. uh, what else we got for the two points? Uh, the Dance Club and Wandersong. So Wandersong is a game with some cool moments, too, and there's just this weird, like, interlude where you have a conversation while, while you're dancing, and you can, like, switch which dance styles you move is, like, the, the only mechanic. It's sort yeah. of a weird sequence. It, it's like, it's a big character development moment with um, Miriam. Is that Miriam? Miriam? Yeah. yeah, it's like a big character moment with Miriam, who is, like, normally pretty standoffish and kind of cold um, and, like, sort of tries plays it being reluctant to be on the adventure and she kind of opens up to you in in that um in that segment and you're just dancing mm -hmm. and it's the goofiest dance as possible but somehow it still works yeah somehow it's still a very poignant and, and meaningful moment yeah um then the, the other two point or one was the the first sight of the kraken in return of the Oberdin, which is i i would almost give that scene to, as well like the same weight to uh the first time you like see the the crab riding mer people as well except mm -hmm. i think the first side of the kraken edges it out slightly as being the moment where you realize sort of what kind of game it is yeah because everything is pretty like placid up until that like there's murder going on and there's fights but it's like oh this is a fairly like normal game and then all of a sudden big giant tentacles you're like oh shit this is like a supernatural like curse of the ocean type story mm -hmm. and it's such a dramatic image the first kraken sequence that you go into so many yeah. scenes in that game are just like like you know lessons in how to, to like create a sense of like motion and action in a still frame yeah also the timing of it where it's like it's one of the earliest scenes, even though it's like one of the yeah, last sequentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's basically like the first thing after the tutorial, more or less. Like there's a few deaths that are there with some pretty strong hints to kind of get you used to the mechanics of like how this is going. And they're like, you got it now? You got it good? You ready? Bam! <laughs> Kraken. Yeah. Uh, Solve this mystery, idiot. Yeah. Here's, here's the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah and i said that at the time and i still stand by like one of the best things about that game is how well paced it is mm -hmm. like how how good they are at a game in a game where like it's not necessarily linear you're going to be going back and forth a bunch and you're going to be trying a bunch of things 
it manages to unravel the mystery at a really like good pace. Like maybe it's not perfect towards the end when you're like picking up loose ends. It's it might start to get a little more tedious, but for the bulk of the game, it's just like really solid on pacing in a in a very hard to pull off way. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any one pointers. We have a bunch of we have some zero pointers. I have the the approach of Norwood's friend at the end of the Norwood suite is on here. Mm-hmm. Um, because it scared the crap out of me. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is genuinely unsettling. Um, and it's, it's not, like, this is the sort of scary that I think of as really scary. Like, this is not the, the cat lady scary where it's just a horrifying and gross concept that you find shocking. This was, like, genuinely and inexplicably terrifying. Like, I don't understand. It's just a slightly smiling man slowly walking towards you. It has no reason. It has to be terrifying, but it's terrifying. Yeah. And, and not only like, not only do you have the slightly smiling man walking towards you, but it's also this character who has been, you know, pretty much unresponsive and in a wheelchair for the entire, you know, previous sections of the game. And all of a sudden here he is, he's up, he's walking around and he's coming for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Oof. Uh, the Azrael boss fight is on here. Um, I still cry, as I said, when I, when I watch that and I, or even just hear the music, I still tear up a little bit. Yeah, no, so do I. The song is, Um, and it's such a, it's like a, a meta moment, but it's also like a, you really invested in the characters moment and it's triumphant and it's like emotional and sad. And it's, it's a lot of things that fight. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a series of moments from Sayonara Wild Hearts, because that's a game that just keeps trying to top itself in, in terms of, like, what-the-fuck moments. Yeah. Um, my favorite from this list is probably the moment the three-headed wolf robot appears suddenly. Yeah. I think but... I think I like the jet sword. Mm-hmm. The fucking, your sword turning into, like, a weird hoverboard fighter jet thing that you fly around opponents get giant get two giant swords that combine into a giant jet and then you get a tiny jet sword of your own because sayonara wild hearts i guess yep that's just that's just how how it do there's a there's a point where you're like riding a crystal dragon through a heart tunnel it's yeah it's just got a lot of like inscrutable but amazing fucking moments. Mm-hmm. It's just all style. Yeah, Absolutely that is a game. That stylish. is a game that is a hundred percent style. Mm-hmm. And it carries it, and it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's not that it's not fun to play. It's also fun to play, but it's all about just the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that's everything we have written down. Let's talk about, like, let's scroll through our list of, of podcast games and just talk about some other moments. Because there's plenty of moments that didn't make this list that could easily have been on this list. Uh, yeah. Like, in terms of just memorable, um, we all remember the fucking falling box room from a story about my uncle. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, what boy doing? That was the thing we talked about, like, that we still, like, point to as, like, difficulty spike. <laughs> Like we, it was like a shared 
moment of misery that brought us all closer. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, man, well, okay. So one game that I still think about, even though it, it wasn't great, but I still think about Inverbus Virtus a lot. Mm-hmm. Not like because it was such a bad game, but with one mechanic that worked surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. Like it, I I was absolutely certain when we played it that the uh, if, if if for people who don't remember, Inverbus Virtus is the one where you actually have to say the spell to cast the spell um, in the yeah, game. It's voice you have based. to speak it out loud, and I was like one hundred percent certain that that was going to be like a weird janky mechanic that didn't work when in reality that was the main thing in the game that did work and the rest of it was weird and janky and didn't work (laughs) yeah like just the fact that there was no level design at all um yeah i I would would go so far to say there was no design at all (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's what we i think we ended up even looking into it and it was like they had an artist and a programmer and like no level designer no uh like it was a student project that yeah got finished so good on them for that but yeah no no puzzle design no level design no like no single unifying aesthetic visual design Mm -hmm. um there was a narrative there but definitely no no one wrote it (laughs) yeah but but dang when you pulled off like saying a spell in a in a clutch moment that felt cool yeah yeah, that felt like a cool thing. Um, I how about how about learning to fly in Child of Light? Yeah, just like getting to like, oh shoot, I can just like go up arbitrarily. <laughs> like yeah. this, this whole place is open to me. Uh, that was a, that was a great one. There's certainly some good moments from Abzu. Like the first time you uh, you like find the weird celestial temple things, and you're like, oh, this is like actually a, like has some weird surrealism. This is a tone piece game. I see. <laughs> that just reminded me. I was thinking about Abzu, and I remember when when we played it, my oldest niece was like in a big phase where she was really into marine biology. And I remember thinking, oh, that would be a great game for her to play. And um, I guess my my sister got her husband uh, a Switch for his birthday, and I need to tell him to pick up Abzu, because if yeah. if she is still into marine biology, she will love that game. Yep. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, uh, I remember the blue whale from Abzu, probably the strongest. When it yeah. just filled yeah. the entire screen for multiple minutes, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If not that, then it feels that way. Or when you you get to the Arctic and you start to like, you know, breach the surface. Oh, that's a that's a big moment for me. Was the first breaching the surface moment in Aquaria. Oh yeah. The first moment where you like get to the the top and you like shoot out of the water and it feels so dang good. And like, then you can just walk around. Yeah, well, hop around. Not what I would say. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you can't um, walk, but you can hop. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. yeah you don't really expect to go above water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, that's, that was like a powerful moment in that game for me. And it's, it's, I think 
that and like one or two other little individual moments are why I remember that game so fondly because it's yeah. like there are a few moments in it that are um or like the the, the the like moment to moment gameplay of it is like fine there's sometimes the controls like are not do not respond quite the way you would want them to um and like a lot of it's just pretty standard but it mm -hmm. has a few really standout moments in it that kind of make the game and it really holds up for being like such an early entry into what sort of now is just recognized as this big mass of indie games as a genre. Yeah. 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 It was a yeah, an Aquarius early big game. One. Yeah, Aquarius is another one that I think about going back to a lot, and then I'm like, no, I can't. I can't keep going back and playing games that I've already played. Um, <laughs> yeah, new games <laughs> it's, to play. It's a big deterrent, but yeah, that's one that I would definitely want to go back to at some point. Yeah, um, and the the musical through lines in that game very very strong uh, entry. Uh, we like in terms of single defining moments from games and genres. We already talked about it a little bit, but like Frog Fractions, <laughs> the moment when yeah. you break out of the game in Frog Fractions and start this wild journey <laughs> through a series of other genres. Yep, it's pretty great. Yeah, in. Yeah, man, Frog Fractions. I don't know. It was such a big deal for such a long time. And, uh, like, are they really even doing anything after Frog Fractions 2? I don't I don't even know. I don't think they, they already made released Frog Fractions 3, but no one found it. <laughs> Is that just a thing that they say? No. Hmm. Um, the, yeah, I mean, like, when you make Frog Fractions and Frog Fractions 2, you don't you don't have to release it. Like it's, it's done. It's, it's, as we were saying before, it's kind of a one shot joke. It's like a thing that it's becomes less special if you try to do it again. Yeah. And so I'm fine with there being no more frog fractions games, even though I, you know, I appreciate the two that there are. Like, I think that they are both good games in their own ways. Yeah. Um, I, this this isn't like even a, a moment in the game, but can we can we talk about for how how long we continued to believe that we had done an episode on From Dust when we in <laughs> fact did not? I am still convinced. So I think before we started this podcast, we had like one Skype conversation where we just talked about what sort of games we liked and like what we wanted the podcast to be, and I'm pretty sure like mm -hmm. I being me came prepared with like a questionnaire to ask everybody and i think somehow from dust came up as a thing that like some of us had played and we talked about it a lot during that conversation i'm convinced i've convinced myself that this is what happened because we all had such strong memories of having discussed from dust yeah and, but it, it i mean look, an episode for a long time uh, yeah I believe it though. That's yeah, you probably right. believe that we have done an episode of From Dust. Well, now we have. <laughs> we 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 went back and like we're like uh shoot. I think it was like maybe we talked about like what sort of games do we think we would like to discuss and like one of us brought that game up and then we had contentious opinions on it. So we talked about it for a while. That's probably yeah. what happened. Probably. Uh, which episode is that? Now, Six. now, I'm, watch! I'm going to go through, and we won't have it anymore. 
No, I was just looking at it. It's 63. 63. Okay. It was after so the we, walking. We went, we went more today. than half the podcast so far without doing that. Yeah. But it is still there mm -hmm. for now. Uh, RIP pour one out for uh, Frog Detective One and Bioshock, our lost yeah. episodes, which yep. we recorded it. And uh, then we had, it turns out there were technical difficulties and we couldn't release it. Yeah. Um, Unfortunate. Both, both good games in very different ways a solid yeah. AAA game and a really cute indie. And we you will know. definitely revisit Frog Detective and Frog Detective 2 now, but probably don't hold your breath on an episode of Bioshock. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I like Bioshock, but it's, I don't know, it's a little too long of a game, I think, for me yeah. to be able to play again now. <laughs> yeah, for an additional time and talk about for an additional two hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, yeah, so speaking of, the, the reason that we were so sad about losing Bioshock is that was the first episode that we had Maz Delta on as a guest, um, and then we lost a guest episode, and that was really sad. Yeah. Um, was that but I think it was Maz. Uh, Maybe. God, um, God help me if remember. it was someone else. <laughs> Pretty sure it wasn't. Oh, no, no I don't who think was it? Was. I think it's someone who has since like left the community and just is not even on Twitter anymore. Oh no. Well, it, okay. Sorry to whoever that was then. That's fine. They're probably not um, listening. I thought we, it was someone that we had on again a second time to make up for it. It was. Oh yeah. No, they came back for uh, impossible creatures. Okay. Then it was our guest on was. impossible creatures. I'm looking. I'm trying to um, find that episode. <laughs> so this is this is all by way of the reason I bring this up is also to say like a big thank you to people who have guested on our podcast. Yeah, we've had some people who come on just because they you know like the games and want to talk about the games with us. We've had devs come on and chat about the design of the game with us, which is always fascinating to be able to see from the back end. Uh, even Lee came on having not played the game at all and still chatted with us for a bit. For World of Goo, which was great. Oh no, I didn't put I didn't put our guest's name in the, in the, uh, in the episode description. But yeah, it was it was um the same person from. Well, thank you to whoever came on for those eps, and sorry about losing Bioshock. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's always a great it's always a great experience to have guests on, and uh, and I hope we get to have more. Uh, I know we don't have a huge listener base, but we like yeah. we like hearing other people's opinions on stuff too. It's it's fun getting getting uh, some non standard <laughs> opinions thrown in here. Yeah. Um, we other... are at this point. <laughs> uh, I'm looking through stuff for like other cool single moments. Uh, we talked Roller about the coaster typhoon. <laughs> The whole game, <laughs> everything from Roller Coaster Tycoon, the Skelly Man moment from Cairo, where we're like, yeah. "Oh, skeleton, spoopy." Um, the the end of a short hike where you like glide down the whole mountain, yeah, is a pretty nice moment. Feels good, man. Um, Creature in the Well. A lot of the boss fights from Creature in the Well were like pretty just intense yeah creature in the, the well just took me by surprise in general yeah the first really moment you see the creature it. is also a big one 
Yeah. Yeah. If we, I, we didn't have an entry for it um, because I think it would just end up being like our votes for our favorite games. But if there was a list that we had made for like just best, like overall tightly put together game for me, that would be creature in the well. I think it's got like the highest average quality of all components. Yeah. And it, and it was also kind of something new. Yeah. Um, yeah. Taking risks and pulling it off. Yeah. Taking risks. It's wild it really success. cool art style. It had the like good music and interesting, like memorable, like villain. Um, I guess more because visually than, <laughs> but visually and mechanically. And it was just fun to play. And it was, it was a lot of good going for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's some individual softer moments from Mutazione that are not like single standout revelation moments, but like moment to moment, the stuff you're doing in that game, talking to people, like there's some really meaningful scenes in that game. Mm -hmm. A lot of just good character development and characters that feel real, even though they are weird, mutated island people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Kentucky Route Zero has its share of like really meaningful moments, like waking up with a weird skeleton leg and going, oh shit. Um, yeah. or like emerging at the end into back into the above ground and like getting to finally take a breath after so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the final climb to the peak in Celeste. I'm just uh, just looking at sort of like the games that we played that didn't really make it onto any of the lists. Yeah, the whole ending sequence in the Sexy Brutal where there's like all those revelations about what the game is actually about. And everything's on fire. Mm -hmm. The end of Tacoma where you finally sigh in relief like, oh, thank God they made it. Yeah. Yeah. Tacoma was a good game. And you and you liberate the ship's AI or whatever you did. Yes, I think that's what yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, you, you take you take Odin, save Odin. Yeah. Um. I so I'm uh, scrolling down this list. I see Burly Men at Seas on this list. I just yesterday or just earlier this weekend like uh, framed and put up a picture of the like sea monster from Burly Men at Sea on my wall oh, right. because that's such a that's such a weird and mystical moment. Like that game is very surreal, but like that, that's a weird and mystical moment in that game that, that was meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That game, I still think about how you could just like get a little book printed of your adventure. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how many people actually did that. I wonder if you can still do it. Yeah. It's a good question. Well, they were. I I, I met those devs at uh, PAX West when I was there for Wintermore. That's where I got that print. Uh, And they're still on prints of the game at the very least. So if it's an automated setup system, it might still be possible. Yeah. Let's see what else. Thinking about, oh God, thinking about Mushroom 11. Yeah, I was going to say, I was was looking at that one too, the the end of Mushroom 11. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think, I, I think I didn't finish that one. And it's probably because I played it on my tablet, like my drawing 
pen tablet mm, yeah. um, just to see if I could. And I mostly could, but it, <laughs> but it ended up getting kind of frustrating <laughs> at yeah. some points. Yeah, that, that, that has a good, like, sort of cyclical return to nature type uh, ending. That's that's a thing. Um, Hustle Cat, the moment where it goes from being, like, cutesy cat dating to, like, oh, holy shit, someone really dangerous is actually stalking us. It's yeah. kind of a memorable moment. Hustle Cat, in general, is just a pretty good, like, I don't know, I don't... I, I'm going to sound like a snob, but I don't, like, necessarily have a super high opinion of Western visual novels. No, that's but fair. Hustle Cat was pretty good. Yeah, Hustle Cat was solid. Um, and uh, Butterfly Soup was really solid as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. uh, it, that's, like, very, very indie. That's an itch.io game. Yeah. Have we played uh, any non-Western visual novels? I don't think we can, because... A lot of them are extremely long. That's, <laughs> That's true. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I feel I... like I watched a couple of them on uh, metadating back when that was a thing. Yeah, but, like, uh... I, like earlier, early last year when I had just moved out to Virginia and I was still unemployed for a couple months, I played um, the House in Fata Morgana, which is excellent. But also, I think I put like multiple full days of just reading that visual novel in over the course of a few weeks. So great. Not necessarily an experience I can recommend to a lot of people. Also, House in Fata Morgana is like extremely dour. Um, it's, it's really brutally sad uh, to the point where it's like almost emotional torture porn yeah regarding like one character in particular but yeah 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 western visual novels super long a lot of times uh eastern so. visual novels yeah eastern sorry yeah yeah um i but, guess yeah. Valhalla. like can you call that yeah can you call that a western yeah i don't okay, know who fine. made who made valhalla um, i South american yeah, I, I want to say they're actually, let's see. Because uh, uh, I think they're like international, but I think some of them are in Venezuela. Sukeban games? Yeah, Venezuelan. Yeah, they're from Venezuela. So. Okay. Not, definitely not Eastern, but also yeah. not American. Yeah, the not, not the American slash British tradition, yeah. um, but still Western. <laughs> Yeah, I I once mapped out like where the games we were playing come from, and that's like the only one that isn't like Japanese, American, or European. Yeah, hmm. that's not get... not that's unfortunate, but not that surprising to me. Hey, yeah. if uh, yeah, if people like feel like know strongly of like, hey, you guys aren't playing games that are diverse enough, and we have some good diverse suggestions for you come on to our Discord. We have a whole channel for suggesting games. Oh, yeah. Like, we want to hear from you. We want to know what we should play. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we've, and we've... Uh, oh, invert yeah. this verbum, or whatever it's called. In... in... in Where are they verbis from? Vertum? No, in, ver in verbis vertus. In verbis vertus. Eh, the talky one. <laughs> yeah. They're like uh, Australian or New Zealand. Okay. Okay. 
I guess, um, let me, now I'm, now I'm going to get it wrong because I think I got it wrong when we recorded it. I think the, the girl who does um, Frog Detective is also Australian. Oh. Uh, I mean, we have, yes, an obvious, Australian. we have an obvious bias towards English-speaking games because we all speak English and it's an easy common denominator. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's... That is what it is. That does tend to give you a certain subset of games more readily. Uh, but if there's stuff that's been translated from other places that people want us to play, that's like within the scope of the podcast, meaning not crazy long or crazy expensive, um, and for systems that we have, then yeah, we'll we'll play it. Yeah. Yeah, join the dang get dis Discord. Blah 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 blah. I'm gonna try to say words and fail miserably. <laughs> Uh, I think that means it's time to wrap up the episode. Yeah, no, I think, you know, this This is a still, you know, we still have a, a whole other one of these to go where we're going to be mm -hmm. talking about some, like, bigger, like, big, you know, best-in-genre type categories and our, our personal top ten favorites. But, you know, the the point of this whole thing is to, to spend time, like, reminiscing and, like, appreciating the accomplishment of we've... We're, you know, we're, uh, we're at next episode is our 100th episode. We've been doing this for quite a while, like quite a few years at this point. And it's been a fun time. I like post podcasting with you folks. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I enjoyed, I enjoy doing this every couple of weeks. It gives me a, it gives me a like excuse to play new games and I get to talk about them with people that I like and I get to get interesting, different opinions and it's, it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. Thank you guys. Yeah. And there, there are like so many of these games I would never even have considered playing, if not for the podcast. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of them I wouldn't have even Great. heard of were not were it not for you. Yeah, that too. I'm trying to like Mutazione would have absolutely flown entirely under my radar, and that would have been a damn shame. So yeah, and uh, like I would have never heard of Pan Pan, I for sure. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's some good stuff. There's some good stuff on here. I don't honestly like. I would probably would have heard of Hypnospace Outlaw. I don't know if I would have played it if not for you, Kelso. <laughs> and I'm glad I did. Yeah, I'm I'm here to bring the weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking, of, I would have never heard of the Norwood Suite. Certainly wouldn't have played that. No, same. And I really, really Kels enjoyed that. <laughs> Tales from Off Peak City's on Steam now. <laughs> yeah. It is. Hey. Uh, yeah, I think it. I think it got put on Steam. Yeah, like, maybe we should do. The last maybe we should weeks. do that as one of our future podcasts as well. Yeah, we got. I mean, gosh, we've got we got a lot in the hopper too. Yeah, so that's true. I think we we are going to be doing this for a long time. Yeah. We might even have to clean the hopper. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll have to purge some stuff from the hopper that's like we don't feel as relevant anymore. I'm looking at it, and Elsinore is still on the hopper, oh, so I'm going to... Oh, move it down uh, to the played section. Yeah. I'm gonna, let's see. Cut. That's where we are. Do, 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 um, do. But yeah, so, you know, we'll be, we'll do more of these, as we said, next week. But until then, thank you all for, for listening, and uh, and enjoy. We hope you've enjoyed this, uh, this journey through 100 episodes as much as we have. We hope that you guys maybe learned about some new games that you wouldn't have heard of otherwise. And hope yeah. maybe even tried some of them. Mm -hmm. 
uh and uh and yeah here's to here's to you know at least as long again yeah another another 100 episodes can we do it yep um so as we said if you if you want to come and uh like recommend games to us or be a guest on a future episode or if you just have memories you want to share or thoughts on games we've played or if you violently disagree with us you can do all of this and more at our discord um which i don't know if there's an easy link to it but well it's linked on our twitter it's linked on our twitter description yeah, and, uh, yes and no? it's not in the description because i didn't set it for infinity but i'll retweet the link again and i'll just keep using yeah. the same link until it until it is used up and then i'll make yeah. a new one yeah, and if you oh, yeah. uh, if you you know for whatever reason like don't know how to get to the Discord or aren't sure, uh, tweet us on the Twitters. Uh, yeah. So how can they do that? You can tweet us at Feedback Force. It's very straightforward. That's just where we are. Um, and you can find me at Kelso Time Bomb. Yep. And you can find me at Kyla underscore Go. Yeah, and you can find me at Skyrim 3. And uh, we buy Wintermore Tactics Club. Yeah, buy <laughs> Wintermore Tactics Club. Please buy Wintermore Tactics Club on Steam. Um, and eventually, you know, on other platforms. Uh, but but don't wait to buy it on other platforms. Buy it now on Steam and then buy it again on another platform. Yeah. It's yeah. on sale. Uh, is it still? I don't think it is anymore. I think it is. Really? Hmm. Have this? Have the summer sales started? Uh, I know we launched on oh, sale. Never mind. <laughs> oh no, it's I was going to say, um, which it's not at the moment. Um, it did launch on sale, but it will be on. Wow! Oh God! Sorry. The uh, <laughs> the trailer started auto playing. <laughs> um, the it was very loud because I have my volume turned way way up. Um, the yeah. It's buy it. It's not on sale now, but it, it was and it will be again. But it's only $15 even not on sale. So it's a good deal. It's a you know, it's like 10 to 10 to 15 hours of gameplay. That's a good deal for 15 bucks. Yeah, it's well crafted. You'll like it. Do yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that is all we have. So yeah. thank Thanks you for, for listening. Uh, this one, I mean, we don't usually do one episode a week. But we figure since we're not playing any games currently, yeah, we can. So our next episode is going to be next week. Unless uh, something goes horribly wrong. Yeah, unless something goes horribly wrong. Unless um, the apocalypse happens between now and then, which is looking true. more and more likely. Yeah, it is a, it is a definitely a possibility. But but barring we'll, that, we'll be we'll be back next time with our like best of genre, uh, best of certain attributes, and our personal top ten games. Mm -hmm. we're gonna have a lot more to say so yeah. yeah thanks for listening and we'll see you next time all right bye everybody bye bye, -bye.